All right, all right, all right. What is going on, people? And welcome on into another episode of the Cinema Lords podcast. Episode number five. We are officially at a handful. We are cooking with fire on all levels. For my fellow sporting Easters out there, we just had an awesome Champions League afternoon. Won three nothing on the road in Germany. The boys in City yesterday, they got it done. They won four nothing. So Champions League's rolling. We have a very, very jam-packed show for you guys today. I'm very, very excited. We're going to be uh, continuing our recaps for both She-Hulk and House of the Dragon. We're going to be diving into the premiere of Rings of Power, and we're going to hit a couple of other things along the way, too. But before we start diving into all of that, let's go around the horn real quick. Uh, back again, my brother from another mother, my, pod, my podcast partner, five episodes in a row on the ones and twos. Five. Five. Los, how we doing, baby? Doing great. How you doing? I'm ready to rip. We got a good one today. Good I'm very excited. Lots to talk about. I'm ready. And then making not only his Cinema Lords debut, but his podcast debut in general, which is another reason why I wanted to do this show. I wanted to be able to uh, share this rush that I get and this excitement I get when I do these shows with my friends. But uh, one of my long, long time, long time friends, known since elementary school, way yeah. back in the day, she might be the only kid days. I fucking know that likes Mountain Dew as much as I do. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Adam Ledoux. Ledoux, what's going on, bro? What's going on? What's going on? Happy appreciate you guys. You. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. You know, I've been looking forward to it. So let's go. We're ready to have you, man. We have a big, big show today. I know you're a big Lord of the Rings guy. I know you like House of the Dragon just like us. So we got lots to dive into. Uh, let's actually start with you. Let's get the, the people can get to know you a little bit. We actually, uh, this past Sunday, had an awesome time before House of the Dragon. We went and checked out one of, I would say, both of our favorite movies, right? I would say definitely top five for me, for sure. Definitely top my, five. definitely, definitely my favorite summer movie. Definitely my favorite. It is summer a great movie. summer movie. Fourth of July summer movie, you know. So we went and checked out Jaws from 1975 in IMAX. It was the first time it's ever been released in uh, any version of 3D or IMAX on the theater. And I gotta admit, going into it, I didn't know how much they could like clean up. A movie from 1975. I know technology is obviously through the roof and shit like that now, but right. I didn't know exactly how much work they could do to it. And my God, that movie looked fucking amazing. I was impressed. Yeah, I, I was, was impressed. wicked impressed. Yeah, I was. Uh, I thought sound wise, especially the yep. audio on the movie. I thought there were a couple Cleaned things that I had caught that I had never heard. You know, uh, watching it on TV and whatnot. But yeah, I was conversational I was wise and stuff. Conversational wise, and just that scene where um, they first catch the fish and the reels running, and Brody's in the background. Yep doing the rabbit goes into the hole comes out of the hole and you could hear that while the thing yeah i'd never heard that before yeah. you know so i was gonna say in general i feel like uh his character not his character but um quint is kind of he mumbles a lot and stuff like yeah. that so sometimes it's a little hard to get exactly what he's saying right. especially with the old audio right i feel like that was all so clean now everything was so crystal clear like audio wise i agree i agree a couple of sound effects for the shark sounded real good too i think uh, i couldn't believe how good that. the shark looked because like you had, it's not like you can redo. It's not like it's like a new shark. No, it's the same exactly. shark. Same shark. But we just cleaned it up, and it looked fucking it well. awesome. I, man. And I thought we were going in. I was a little worried. We were going in for 3D somehow. You know. But, oh yeah, uh, yeah, no yeah. More I'm not a three. I, was, I love IMAX. I'm not a 3D guy. Though. No, me either. Me either. So I'm happy that that wasn't the case. But yeah, I thought the movie looked excellent. Thought it sounded excellent. Um, I, I, I think we were talking about it on the way out. I, th I don't think the people behind us had ever seen Jaws, which was <laughs> yeah. kind of crazy. Actually, I think he's definitely right. Yeah, they were talking a lot during the movie, and it made it seem like they had never seen it before. They were, like, surprised, like, the whole, like, oh, my God, this just happened, yeah, this just happened. Talking about the special effects when they got in the lobby, like, yeah, it wasn't too bad. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it was kind of crazy to see, you know. That's crazy to me. That 
had to have. Cause it was a big boost. <laughs> they had to. It must have been like. Uh, it must have been like what eight guys probably. Uh, yeah, I would go say eight to ten at eight least. Eight to ten. It was eight a great group. So at, least. I, at least I have to imagine one of them was like a diehard Jaws fan. Yeah, who and had to put this thing in motion. Because otherwise, how the hell does that even start? How do you just have like eight random, ten random guys and like they've all never seen Jaws? They're like, yeah, let's go check it out. IMAX Sunday night. Yeah, I don't know. There was an old guy there too by himself, just sitting in the back. Join a classic. You probably you know? saw the original when it came yeah, out, fucking exactly. in '75. Oh, Must have been blown away. I also was very impressed. Um, the a lot of the shark POV, the underwater scenes of the shark coming in, looked so crystal fucking clear, man. Yeah. It looked like you were actually swimming in the goddamn water. Well, I couldn't I think, believe it. Uh, I think some of that footage is like actual National Geographic footage. No too. shit. Yeah, that they use for some of that. So I think they. That's probably why it looks so good. You know, yeah. when he gets in the cage down there. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I thought the movie looked really good. Like you said, all the audio was cleaned up. The shark looked really good, you know, and just uh, just one of my favorites. You yeah, know? we so. weren't the only ones too. A lot of people. It did really well. It made like two and a half million this weekend. <laughs> oh shit! And it, when it was originally in theaters, it made like seven. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, hey, not a bad weekend for it then. Yeah, no, know? definitely not. I know that they made out too because um, it was that three dollar AMC national like Saturday, promotion right? that they did on Saturday. It was three dollar right. tickets. I know it did huge on that Saturday. Really. So I'm sure if you had actually taken those ticket prices and exceeded them out to what they were actually would have been, it probably would have made a lot more money. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's cool, definitely, to see people going no matter what, and definitely to go, you know, seeing a cla- uh, classic. Uh, Los, you definitely you missed out. You yeah, missed out. I missed, yeah, out. I missed out. I got a fun fact for you though. There's a scene when they're out on the boat at nighttime, and okay. there's a shooting star. And that shooting star actually happened in real life. It was oh, not, no that was shit. not an effect. Yeah, that's, that's like the plane in Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, they actually <laughs> caught it. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. I didn't even do that. Actually, funny thing about that scene, we saw it in the theater. And obviously, I've seen the movie like two billion times. Uh, but my girl, Steph, had only seen it one uh, the day that we watched it on 4th of July at my house. It was the first time that she'd ever seen it. Really? Yeah. So this is only her second viewing of it. And during the scene that Lois was just talking about, Brody and Hopper are investigating the ship at nighttime. The one that's been uh, yep, uh, basically you know left abandoned. It's like half sunk. Yeah, in. We ben ben Gardner's boat. Ben Gardner's boat. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, they see the dead body when he's in the water. He's searching. He looks through the ship, and there's the dead body. I swear to God, Steph jumped so high <laughs> that oh, yeah. she scared the shit out of me. I uh, went jumping. I, t- I told Seth after the movie, he's like, dude, you jumped so high, you made me jump. Yeah, it was so a it little ripple straight. effect there. It was a, a little domino. Effect, <laughs> for sure. A little domino effect going on. I was like, I know what's going to happen. I was like, holy yeah, shit, no, you I'm... just jumped so high. But um, overall, great, great time. I really enjoyed it. It's still out for uh, this week, so if you guys had the chance, you can go see it. I definitely recommend you go check it out. There's still a few more days. I think it's like 10 days in total, so we still got a couple more to go check it out. Good deal. But actually, that made me kind of think, like, I, I actually said it to you when we were leaving and uh, whoever we were with, too, but. It made me, like, really intrigued to see them do more of these. Like, I would love... The first one that came to mind was E.T., a movie that I absolutely love. That, while you... While I love it, watching it now, it doesn't age great. Yeah. Especially the special effects side of it. So I feel like if that's something that they can go in and clean up, just like they did with this movie, I would be hyped to go see that. I haven't seen E.T. in a while. One of my favorite movies, dude. Literally one of my favorite movies. But like I said, it doesn't age well, especially from the special, special effects. Wise. Nick, you ever go on the E.T. ride at Universal Studios I have in not. Florida? I've been to Florida like two times in my life, and they have never. it's never been a good place for me. Me and Florida do not, <laughs> do not get along well at all. Oh, but I do man. want to go back because obviously they have all that new shit now. Oh, you know, you'd love Guardians, Universal Studios. Yeah. Universal yeah. Studios is an entire park just dedicated to, to the rides. Movies. Yeah, based on movies and shows. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. unbelievable. You know? Yeah. But 
Uh, E.T. was a big one. The Neon was uh, Back to the Future. Those are two that I would love to see cleaned up, re-released, IMAX. I'd be two of my favorites. I would, I would love for them to see more of those movies get, you know, tweaked and remade. Yeah, not just remade, cleaned up. Cleaned yeah, up. don't remake. They're, yeah, don't remake. They'll exactly. never don't be remake. another just, Jaws. You, know, you, can't, up. you can't remake Jaws. Because like I know? said, it looks so good. I mean, you know what I mean? If you can do that, then do it with some more and exactly. put it back in the theaters. It's an easy way to make money. Make a easy. little money. Yep. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Quick buck. You know, yeah. you know all the, everybody's going to get that nostalgia. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody Definitely. loves it. That's all they were doing. Remember during COVID? Uh, yeah, just pumping out, the, movies, pumping like out the old movies. Yeah, studios are putting everything on hold and they were just pumping out all classics. Yeah. Not a yep. bad little stopgap, you know? Yep. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, uh, we actually mentioned when uh, Seth Rogers was on the show a couple of weeks ago, but you took up uh, took us up on our recommendation to try out True Detective, season one. Yes. Never seen it. Yes. You finished the whole thing? I did. I watched it in two days. Watched, two days. I think three or four episodes the first night, and then the second night I just came home. I said, I got to bang this out. So, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I was not disappointed uh, watching that. So You enjoyed it? I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think Los uh, might have mentioned it um, maybe when in your first episode about uh, how much McConaughey smokes. <laughs> and, uh, it's the first time I've ever been like, wow, you know, I'm craving a cigarette a little bit. Yeah. I don't smoke cigarettes, but I was like, Jesus. You know? it's like, yeah, it's the the show stresses you, you out. You yeah, do yeah. That show. I know. Now, while it's awesome to hear that you binged it in two days, that feel like to me, because I watched it live, definitely I feel like that would have taken away a little bit of the aspect of watching that show to me because it was such a week-to-week dynamic of thinking about it all week long, you know what I mean? The Especially the storylines later on. Right. You really start getting to who the Yellow King is and all that stuff. Right. But... I've I can definitely see no matter what if you start it and you have all that's the how I watched it as well I binged it with you in your in your living room I think it was your second or third time watching yeah. it but yeah, uh, I think it I've was my it first times, I want to say yeah it was definitely I don't know I just was like hooked immediately I think like uh you know Seth was saying the dynamic between McConaughey and and, and Woody Harrelson is like you know there's something else obviously going on in the show and they're working and they're telling the story about the murder but it's just like that dynamic between the two where like he was saying they come in and you think mcconaughey is kind of the weird guy and then by the fourth episode middle of the season like things have completely flipped yeah. and, you know um and then there's that crazy undercover episode which i think was my yeah my favorite i think that's pretty season. i would say that's pretty widely accepted as the best episode yeah i mean the fact that that whole thing is on a one shot too is unbelievable just, yeah, i am such clean. a sucker for that yeah. shit I, oh, I agree i, I mean agree. it's such a fucking process to think how many people went into making a scene like that and they all have to be fucking perfect, perfect exactly. like nobody can slip up from camera guys to the actors to every single person sound guys no one can be in the shot at the wrong time you have to be rotate and moving being exactly in the right spots it's unbelievable is uh i'm pretty sure that's how they filmed 1917 too right 1917 is like i think the entire movie was 17 shots i want to say yeah, yeah something crazy seven like 17 yeah. different shots oh it was unbelievable it's one of yeah. my favorite movies i've ever seen honestly I, I love 1917. I thought it was absolutely incredible. That's actually something that we... Ch- actually, no, that was an IMAX. No, no. Was it? I can't remember. Actually, I think it was. Yeah, I think we did see yeah. that in IMAX. I'm sorry, yeah. So that was an yeah. IMAX. Yeah. We made the trip yeah. up to, like, uh, what was it? Like, Randolph for that one, I think, right? I think Somewhere. we went to Providence. Was it? Um, but, yeah, no, that was incredible, especially in IMAX. That was a fucking awesome yeah, just, movie. I think I watched right a bootleg at my house, but it was definitely... I liked it a lot. I yeah. liked it a lot. The old war movies. Some um, of my favorites. 
But altogether, True Detective, good watch. Oh, True Detective, I can't recommend it enough. I think I might have texted Seth like that the week after and was like, I don't know if you've seen this, but you got to watch it. Yeah, no, uh, Rogers, I think. Yeah, after I watch it, I I asked him because I just wanted someone to talk to a bit about it, you know, talk about it. Exactly, yeah, that's that's what I'm telling you. That show is the show you want to talk to. Yeah, it just suckers you in, like, immediately, right off the rip, the first episode, you know, and, and you're trying to figure out, like, what's going on, and then five episodes in you know they they sort of figure things out and then it's like we still got a we still got a good chunk to go here oh, so yeah. a lot know, of we'll twists and turns coming yeah, that second oh, half man oof. it keeps going yeah I, I i can't recommend it enough i can't See recommend that? it enough two different people two different happy customers if you haven't yeah. go check out true detective season one it's awesome one of my favorite seasons of any tv show ever um, with that, I have normally we do a, uh, a little news, rumors, trending topics, stuff like that. But this week we have so much to get to between Rings and She Hulk and House of the Dragon. I kind of just did one this week that I absolutely felt I had to mention. Um, the first movie in the history of cinema, which I think is a ridiculous thing to even say, the first movie of all time to ever be at the top of the box office, Memorial Day weekend, and then Labor Day weekend. Just made $700 million in total, Top Gun Maverick. It is, in my opinion, the best movie of this year by far. It's not even close. But I just love to see everybody else loving this movie as much as I do. It is dominating in every single aspect. They just started doing the digital releases, so you can buy it on you know, on demand or on Amazon. It's like $19.99. It was the highest digital purchased movie of all time during its first week. In its first week, it jumped all the way into the top 20 for digital releases of all time. Like I said, it just passed $700 million, putting it in the fifth, it's the fifth highest grossing movie in box office history. It just uh, surpassed Black Panther. I just, I, I feel like I've talked about this movie at nauseum, but I can't say enough good things about it. And like I said, I'm just happy to see everybody else loving this movie as much as I am. Putting up some numbers, it sounds like. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the first Top Gun. Which so. is, the first time you told me that, it blew my mind. Just knowing you, yeah, I, I feel know. like... I, I need to watch it. It's, it's on my list. It's on the... Uh, I know to, your dad, to too. Like, if I know your dad, I feel like if that's I one know. movie, you would love it. He Top would love that, exactly. I can't believe he didn't put that on for you a bunch growing up. Enough. I mean, maybe back in the day. Maybe I it might have been on. It. But yeah, I need to, I'll need. i bang out the first one, and then I'll watch the second one. Because I know gotta. you've been hyping it up, and I really haven't heard a bad thing about it. So uh, have you, no. you've seen it, Luce? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That was great, great Max. Great Max. You know how many Top Gun Halloween costumes you're going to see this year? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not kidding. Oh, They're going to be coming out in spades. Actually, when we went and saw that in IMAX, how many friggin' Top Gun costumes did we see that day? Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> we saw one guy. Actually, you say there was an old guy at Jaws by himself. There was an old guy. I think he was by himself at Top Gun, and he looked awesome dressed slick the back white hair <laughs> gold aviators full maverick oh, suit no. he looked I awesome man that was like his day i bet he was just like looking forward to that for months man i was so happy for that guy but like i said just absolute dominance from top gun it's awesome to see it's still it was the like i said the highest grossing movie this weekend on labor day still you can still go check it out in theaters. You can check it out on streaming now. I highly, I highly, like I recommend, like I recommend it to the highest capacity, basically. Like I said, it's my favorite movie this year. You gotta check it out. Oh, it's on my list. It'll the two, get done. the two, two, like Top Gun one and two, they play so differently now too. Like the first one has all this like brotherly, like love dynamic to it and kind of stuff, where I feel like it doesn't have the special effects to it as much because it is, you know, it's like 1980 or something like that. Whoa. Whereas this one, now they really ramped up. You know what I mean? The fighter pilot scenes, 
all of that is through the roof now. I think I'd like to see the first one first too, yeah. just because yeah, there's you're gonna, all you're the callbacks so and much. just like that yeah. fan, you know, fan tribute that I know that they're gonna be pumping in there. You know, it'll it'll make the second one that much better. Tom Cruise, man, it's like fucking 35 years later, and he fell seamlessly right back into character. It was unbelievable, just like right back into it, like he never missed a beat. But definitely go check it out. If you can go check it out in IMAX, which it actually still might be playing. I think I saw that it was still yeah. playing everywhere. Yeah, it is still up. Go check it out in IMAX like we did because that's a definite IMAX one. The sound, the fucking, the angles, all of it is awesome. Um, from there, before we start diving into all of our recaps and breakdowns and all of that, going to bang out my recommendations real quick for this week. Um, I'm sure some of you guys are probably going to disagree with us a little bit, but as soon as September 1st hits on the calendar... That is now spooky season for me. That means from like September 1st to October 31st, I am consuming as much horror, thriller, slasher content as I can basically get my hands on. So I was very, it's one of my favorite times of year. I was very happy to see that that rolled around again. You know what I mean? So this week, I'm going to start with two movies that are very, very light, more thriller, suspenseful, and they both star uh, Daisy Edgar Jones, which I think she does a great job in both movies. Uh, That's why I kind of decided to do them together. Same, like I said, thrillery. Uh, the first one you can check out on Hulu is called Fresh. It's starring her and uh, Sebastian Stan, who you guys will know as Bucky the Winter Soldier. It's a real interesting thriller, suspense, like I said. Guy meets girl, guy woos girl. Next thing you know, girl is in trouble for her life. But it's, it's original. It's a plot line that I feel like has been done you know, a thousand different times before. But this one is very original. It's got a very original feel to it. It's funny in a weird way. It's got a lot of humor to it. Sebastian Stan kills it in a very creepy but still charming role, I guess, at the same time. Uh, a little gruesome. I'm not going to lie. A little, there's a couple parts where I'm just like, ew, gross. But uh, if you're a fan of uh, the Silence of the Lamb Hannibal movies, I definitely suggest checking this out even more so because it definitely reminds me in a lot of ways of the Hannibal movies. Netflix, you said? Uh, that one's on Hulu. Hulu, okay. Yeah, that one, good, good watch. And then the second one is actually something I just checked out last night. Right now, you can buy it on Amazon Prime for $19.99. It just left the theaters not that long ago. Uh, it should be on, I would imagine, regular streaming, though, coming pretty soon. It's based on, I guess, a book that was at the top of the New York Times bestseller list for months on end. It's Where the Crawdad Sings. And as soon as I like heard the name for it, I was like, well, that sounds really stupid. Where the <laughs> Crawdad Sings. It has a really uh, dumb name for a movie. Uh, but I watched it last night, and it was really, really good. I, I really enjoyed it. A good murder mystery. Um, good drama. Uh, basically, a girl is one of five siblings. They live right in the swamps of Carolina, kind of out in the middle of the boondocks, the bayou by themselves. And basically, this girl just gets abandoned by her entire family, like right at the beginning of the movie. This girl's like, I don't know, seven years old, maybe six years old, just straight up gets abandoned by everybody. Right. Which probably was the better scenario because she was in an abusive household anyway, so it's probably better than getting beat up. I don't know. But basically, she fends on her own. She becomes... The what is it? The Swamp Girl, I think it is. Yeah, Swamp Girl. Swamp Girl. Yeah. Swamp Girl. <laughs> what everybody in town knows her as. She, you know, she grows up. She's like twenty years old, but then basically she gets um, charged of doing this murder, and it's kind of very much like they're blaming her because she's the Swamp Girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just want to have someone to blame. Just it on. someone to put it on. It takes place in the '60s too, so it's very much like they just want to pin it on somebody. It doesn't matter if the shoe fits or anything like that. Yeah, just, just get a guy. Just exactly. Get and like I said, she's kind of the outcast, so she's basically trying to you know plead her innocence and all that. 
But uh, very, very, very good. I found it very interesting. I loved the ending. I loved the twist at the end. Uh, I'm not going to give that away, but it was actually what I was hoping for. About halfway through the movie, I turned to Steph and I was like, well, I really hope this is what happens. And sure enough, that's what happened. And I was very, very it's, pleased. It's like a little bit of a love story too, right? Is, yeah, yeah. From what I remember. Yeah. I saw the preview. It was intriguing. I was yeah. intrigued. Like I said, the the title threw me off. And even the trailer was kind of like, eh, I don't know. But the reviews that were coming out were like the kind that I usually tend to like almost jump towards. The critic score was, I think, like a 35 and, and then, then the, the audience, audience score was, was like a 95. Yeah. So I was like, all right, this seems like my kind of movie. Every single normal person seems to be enjoying this movie. It. Right. He, uh, Losa checked it out in the theater with his, I think his mom, right? Yeah, my parents, yeah. And uh, he said that he enjoyed it, which n- most of the time, I usually, if Los likes something, I usually enjoy it too. Yeah, you guys fall on the same sort of. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, we definitely, <clears> I would <throat> say me and Los disagree on characters during things more so than the actual. Than the like, actual, yeah, the yeah. overall. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Um, but I, uh, like I said, I really, really enjoyed it. Good mystery. It should be coming out soon. Like I said, if you want to pay the money for it to own, go ahead. You can do that. But if you have any uh, ways to cut cords, like you know, some of us do, you can do it like that. That's maybe or maybe not how I watched it last night. Who can say for sure? But, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely worth the watch, though. For sure. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, very, very intriguing. And I, like I said, I love those those whodunit things, yeah. and, and I think that's a good way to kick off the spooky season. Like I said, yeah, I thought they did a good job just uh, making the movie as well. It was a good, well put together movie, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no. I would say my my biggest complaint with it was something that was actually I saw a lot online was that um, while this girl like you know lives on the swamp and stuff like she lives in this little swamp house she doesn't have like electricity or anything like that she always looks very pretty always looks very cleaned up nice hair makeup on it's kind of like well this is sixties and you're living in like a hut on the river like shouldn't you be a little dirty maybe yeah. But that's just like something I can look past. You know, it's Hollywood, mean? baby. Big actress probably doesn't want to look dirty on screen the whole movie. But right. like I said, it's something I can look past. But it's something that I definitely notice where I'm just like, she's supposed to be like the swamp girl. Like, she's a pretty good looking swamp girl. You know right. what I mean? You think swamp girl. You think, I think like Stoop Kid from freaking Hey Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> All swamp girl All never. gangly and dirty, you know. <laughs> swamp girl never leaves the swamp. That's it. Oh, hey, if you think I didn't say that like five times during the movie last <laughs> night. You have no idea. Uh, I must have said it 15 times. Uh, but yeah, definitely check those out. Daisy Edgar Jones, like I said, she does a great job in both. And like I said, a good way to kick off the spooky season. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff uh, like, you know, Halloween based, spooky season based, whatever you want to call it. Um, kind of more almost theme stuff. We got some things in the work, especially for closer to Halloween time. That's going to be a lot of fun, I think, that you guys are going to enjoy. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, with that said, I, I guess we can start diving into these shows, huh? Let's go. Let's do it. So, we had on Friday the release, the premiere of Rings of Power on Amazon, which they released two episodes, which I thought was the right move because as soon as the first episode ended, I was like, well, that was just a lot of information. It was. A lot. A lot of, of names. A lot of names. A lot of names going on. A lot of places. Which, while we're still in Middle Earth, like we were in Lord of the Rings, it's the second age rather than the third age. So a lot of these, like, whatever you want to call them, countries or whatever. Regions, like, I guess. Yeah, yeah. haven't settled. So it's it's like a whole new map. You're basically starting over. We got to, you know, there's no more Rohan and Gondor. Starting and fresh. We're literally starting fresh. Starting fresh. Uh, so it, it was a lot. Like I said, I was glad that they did the two-part because the second episode I actually enjoyed a lot more. 
I agree with you there. Yeah. A little, little more going on. Definitely a little bit more going on. And honestly, overall, it felt more like Lord of the Ringsy to me, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, guess I know exactly what more, you mean. But <laughs> the first one, like I said, just played almost just like a, such an ordinary show, but just like with just so much information. You know yeah. I mean? It was a little bit of information overload, I think, in the first episode. I but, agree. Uh, I was a little overwhelmed almost. At the yeah. A cu- couple good scenes, though. A couple should good we, scenes. Should we warn the spoilers ahead? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I guess we're yeah. gonna be doing spoilers ahead for sure. Most yeah, never misses over that's there. He See, never that's misses. That's one thing I keep forgetting to do. But yeah, we're definitely gonna be doing spoilers for Rings of Power coming up. But I mean, I guess basically before we really get into any spoilers, I, the first takeaway is that the show looks beautiful, incredible. I thought. I mean, multiple incredible. times during the first two episodes, I was just like, "Wow, that's fucking beautiful." Like, I think that, that first shot of Linden, I think it is, Linden, Linden yep, yep, when yep. they kind of... Which I have to imagine is going to eventually become Rivendell, right? It looked very similar. I think Rivendell's a separate spot. Oh, okay. Rivendell, I think, is Elrond's kind of... kind of. Right, I was yeah. thinking that that Linden place was eventually going to turn into like Rivendell. I think basically. Linden is, if I'm not mistaken, a little more to the west. Okay. And then uh, Gilgalad ends up staying there. And at some point... During the Second Age, Elrond goes to what becomes Rivendale, and it becomes so nice that I think they end up keeping it, Keep it. All right, I keeping you. it as Rivendale. I got gotcha. you. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, I thought the show looked really good. The other one, it might have been, well, the second episode was um, Kazadun. Yeah, Kazadun looked, looked awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah when they that go, was... when they first enter, I was like, yep. you know, this my favorite part of the two episodes by far. Entering Casa Doom. Yep. The other scene I all also the, like too was um, the battle scene. We only get like a brief thirty second battle scene. Yeah, no, not, not, not a much. Fell, at all. fell beast that uh, kills a eagle or something. Yeah, I thought that looked really good. The yep. CGI looked really good in that. If we hopefully get a couple of those. Yeah, you know, we got a, later like in a the clip, season. Uh, a quick like flashback to a battle sequence very early in the first episode yep. that reminded me of the actual opening sequence from Lord of the Rings where they're showing the war of men and elves versus the orcs yes but that just that quick image I was like oh boy if we're gonna get yeah. something like that oh, later if we on, get something like that like, oh yeah, boy because that was sick even though it was only for like you know a couple quick seconds I was like if we can get like a real scene like that later I on I liked the how the, uh, the dragon kind of took out the eagle too because yep. in every other Lord of the Rings thing the eagles are kind of you know yep. taking them out so it was nice to see a little switch up there. Yeah. Uh, so I guess now I guess we'll do this, this you know spoiler talk again, but whatever. Uh, we kind of we open the table, and it's actually funny. The first thing I thought was we open Lord of the Rings with Galadriel doing a monologue, and we open up Rings of Power with Galadriel doing a monologue. Yep. A little mirror action. So right away I felt like that was pretty awesome. You know what I mean? Uh, but basically she explains that the Elven home, uh, what is it, Valinor? Yep. Is uh, it's where all of the elves live. You know, eternal light, beautiful place and stuff. It's under attack from Morgoth. That's where I want to go on vacation. So basically, yeah, that's where I had no <laughs> kid. Better bigger shades, bro. Yeah. Lots of them. Um, they flee to Middle Earth basically because they're under attack. Uh, Morgoth follows them there. They have a century long war. Um, they end up defeating Morgoth, but basically the orcs have now spread across Middle Earth and stuff like that. And uh, it gave birth to the rise of Sauron, who we know from obviously Lord of the Rings. This kind of starts his power run here now, and he ends up killing Galadriel's brother. Yes, leaves this interesting little mark on him, and basically that's where the show kind of starts off. Galadriel is going to be on a revenge quest. 
it seems like, to, um, you know. With her brother's dagger. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yep, the takes brother's her brother, dagger. Her brother's dagger and basically, you know, swears to avenge him by killing Lord Sauron and, and ending, uh, ending all this, you know, his reign. Um, which I thought was a little interesting. I, I, I liked it. I love a revenge story. I mean, Same. two of my favorite movies, Gladiator Same. and Braveheart, revenge stories. <laughs> that's actually one of the things I saw that was a complaint for the big Tolkien heads online, though. Uh, I'm. I mean, I've read the Lord of the Rings books, but that's that's it. So I'm not this massive Tolkien guy. But I saw a couple people online that were, you know, big. You could tell big Tolkien heads that read all this shit like inside right. out. One of their biggest complaints, I guess, was they were saying that Galadriel being based around revenge is something that Tolkien would never have done. He said that um, they they said basically that anybody that would be based around that character being based around revenge would always end up basically dying and right. failing his quest. And I guess Galadriel's story in, in the books is a lot more like deeper than that. She's trying to basically like you know honor, doing it for the, her race. She's got I guess more of a like a friendly relationship with the elves than it seems like in this because in here that's a little hostile I guess kind of. Yeah, it seems like uh, she kind of reminded me of uh, Gandalf in uh, The Hobbit when they're kind of like saying no, no, Sauron's not back. I think they have that meeting of the White Council. Yep, it was either in the first Hobbit or the second Hobbit. And, yeah, I think uh, so. yeah, yeah. Saruman's telling him, you know, I'll look into it. There's nothing to be worried about. Kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Like uh, she was, you know, she knows something's going on. And same as Gandalf um, in The Hobbit. So yeah. it's cool little, you know, I thought they kind of paid homage to that a little bit, you know. So, but. Good way to start off the show. I like it. Like I said, I like a good revenge story. I think revenge is always a good thing to base any story around. The Northman again this year, good revenge tale. Revenge yep. is a great thing for, you know, great storyline. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I'm, I'm a sure. simpleton, so it got me. Yeah. Got me. That's all they I agree. And I think to do something that in-depth where you want to get all this character's different backgrounds, and like that's going to take so long. I mean, you know what I don't, I mean? Yeah, don't have I, I don't think they can do that. Exactly. Yeah, and, and a lot of this stuff happens over like thousands of thousands of years. That's like you true, were saying, right. you're like a revenge story. Sauron, I think, sits or in, uh, like in the void or something for like 5,000 years just plotting his revenge. You know, so this, I think this story is going to take place over a, a, long a good stretch of time. Yeah, a yeah. long stretch of time. Yeah. You know. I could definitely see that happening for sure, especially just because the el- a lot of these like elves seem to be the main character here and obviously they can live for basically ever. Forever. Yeah, yeah forever. Um but basically we go from there, she starts uh we go to a cool scene that we kind of saw actually a bit in the trailer. She is leading uh her little battalion of elves. They are super super far north. She is um doing that scene that we seen in the trailer like I said she's climbing up the mountain. Which is a big complaint during the CGI thing, but it actually, again, looked pretty cleaned up, looked pretty good. I thought yeah. all the CGI for this entire episode looked pretty good. I agree. Um, um, thank God they cleaned that up. Yeah, that was the thing that stood out right away. This looks cool. pretty sick. There's like a waterfall coming down to the level. I was like, all right, I buy all this. None of it looks cheesy. None of it looks like fucking crappy. It all looks legit. I like it. Yep. But uh, they're super far north. Um, her her crew, whatever you want to call it, her little battalion of elves, it seems like they're starting to kind of lose faith in her. It seems like they've been traveling for a hell of a long time. It seems like they probably haven't fought any bad guys in a hell of a long time. It seems like everybody just wants to go home. Yeah. They, everybody's just, everybody's just tired. Blizzard, it's fucking frozen tundra land. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, they end up running into this uh, cave, if you want to call it a cave. They find the marking that was on her brother. So Sauron's she, little mark. Yeah. So she's like, all right, motherfuckers must have been here. And yep. while she's finding this, we get our first action sequence, and they fight a uh, snow troll, basically a big ass 
big snow, snow troll. troll. I never. I'm assuming it's just the the winter version of the trolls that they have down from Mordor. Yeah, you know, I would say so. Just snuck in that fucking cave, just gathering ice and shit. The one but thing I didn't cool. like about that scene was the uh, her like running up the blade. I didn't the sword really, jump. Yeah, a lot of people online didn't like that either. Wasn't a huge fan. Yeah, wasn't a huge fan. So you know, I found one thing that I found hysterical. This one guy is just being a total troll asshole. He breaks down the physics of jumping off a sword and how the sword would break. Yeah. It's like yeah. No shit, right? <laughs> watching a fantasy show hey right I swear to god the number one comment right goes absolutely nobody show this guy what happened when they were heading to Moria and Legolos was on the snow and then there was like 50 different screenshots of them from the first Lord of the Rings movie and it's everyone trudging through the snow Gandalf and the Hobbits and Aragorn and Legolos is literally just walking on snow like Jesus Christ just like so soft footed and everyone just like I think the elves can do some shit that we don't like you know what I mean that normal men can't do they can live forever so you know I'm sure they can jump off a sword I don't know how they do it I don't know what kind of sword they're using I don't know if they practice it in their spare time but yeah it was pretty gangster though I liked how she fucked that troll up I thought it was pretty cool I can you know what I mean I'm watching a fucking fantasy show with elves and dwarves and dragons I can suspend you know belief enough to have this no I agree it wasn't that you know that I thought it was unrealistic it was just like I thought she could uh, I mean she kills it in a cool way she ends up stagging it yeah she does with the dagger quick leg slash 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 dagger which so like I just mentioned her crew seems like they're losing a little bit of faith in her if I just saw that I would, my faith would be restored. I'd be like, all right, well, now I remember why I'm following this girl. She's I feel a like they seem, it seems like they just uh, look at her as she's just like looking for something to fight. You know, yeah. like she, it doesn't matter what it is, like whatever she picks up, she's just, she just wants to go after it, you know? Yeah. And they're just like, well, let's, let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's go. She home. finds, she finds an age old symbol and a troll and she's like, all right, let's keep going. Yep. So basically, yeah, that's what she says. She goes, all right, we find we found the marking. We just, you know, let's keep heading north now. And basically her crew says, if you're going, you're going by yourself. Yeah. Leave her out the dry. Yeah. <laughs> tough. Tough. Um, from there, I think we went to the introduction of our, I guess, new hobbits. The Harfoots? The Harfoots, yeah. I think that's the, uh, I think that's what the Hobbits, there's three. There's like the Harfoots and two other families or something. And that's the... The bloodline of the hobbits. Okay. So. A couple little family minglings. In the yeah, head. a couple little, uh, you know, little Game you. of Thrones incest or something going on there. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Uh, I definitely, uh, I liked their intro. I found it very funny. I always liked the hobbits, even in Lord of the Rings. I, I just find their whole little thing kind of comical. But they're hiding out. They pock out. Get loads of berries. They're going bananas for berries. Yep, bananas for berries. You would have thought that they just hit fucking the lottery for a billion dollars. They're simple. Uh, yeah, they they're are simple. simple, simple people. You know? And then we got a view of what reminded me of the dogs that the orcs ride in the two towers, but a different breed of the a warg. dog. Oh, yep, that's the warg. Right. I think the wargs or yep. something. Warg that's what riders. The two towers there. Uh, I don't know if they mentioned the name, but I think they just said dogs. But they some must, kind of new beastie-looking thing. I think they just call them wolves in the in the book. So okay. I don't know if that's just what they're going to be be known as in this one. Uh, just wolves or something. They definitely, like you said, a little bit different looking. Yeah, definitely a little yeah. different. Little like not so souped up. It almost looks like they were just like the beginning of evolution. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Over time, in another century or so, like the wild ones or something. Looking. Yeah, do a little experimenting. Yeah, little dark some dark <laughs> magic on them. Yeah, those but, ones uh, in the two towers are fierce looking, man. Those yeah. Like, Big, mean, dude. big, big, big. Those things are mean. But um, those things are definitely, you know, pretty scary looking too, I guess. You know what I mean? Definitely the hobbits ducked down. They got out of there. But cool little intro. Instantly reminded me of the hobbits, like I said. Yep. 
uh, isn't there like a, I think in the the first movie too there isn't there like a, a family that Bilbo thinks it's something just like Harfoots is it like Proudfeet or something like that yeah there's like Brandywines Brandy. I, there's, I'm sure there is a Harfoot because I think that Harfoot. the name just like uh, yeah. yeah the Harfoots are like Bilbo and Sam and Frodo those they're all like Harfoots I guess like if when you right, trace like their yeah, yeah exactly yeah, I got you. exactly so that's family that's line. where you get them from I'm sort of interested uh, what what exactly the Hobbit's um, role is going to be in this show. Well, I think we're going to get there in a little bit. I think I think we definitely figure that out but at the end of this episode, which I have some thoughts on, but we'll get there. Yeah. But um, from there, we go to another introduction. We meet Lord Elrond, who we know from Lord of the Rings, but he's obviously significantly, significantly younger. He is in no means the... Um, the high authority that he is in Lord of the Rings. He's much lower down in the totem pole now. Actually, that's how we're introduced to him. He's not even allowed into some meeting, I guess. It's for like the High Elves. I think it's the High Elves Council. The high elves they council. tell him. It's like the first bit of news they bring him. They hit him with, yeah, you're not you're yeah. not allowed in the meeting tonight. You're not cool enough to be <laughs> yeah, in you're, not, you're not high enough. So. Um, and we get the view of what you mentioned, Linden, uh, that, the home of the elves, yes. which looks, like we said, absolutely beautiful. Looks sick. Um and then we find out, oh, that Galadriel arrives. Galadriel arrives, yep. and Blood Elrond right away, super excited. So clearly they have a bit of a background there. And then as soon as they met, they seemed like they were kind of close, have like an embrace. They seem a little touchy-feely. Yeah. I don't know if there was some kind of romantic spark there at one time or something. Yeah, I'm not too sure either. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. I don't think they're related or anything. They could be. I was just watching something on them earlier. But okay. uh, I, honestly, I, that thought never even ran through my head. But I guess actually they definitely could have been related. It wasn't like overly touchy feely. They could have been like cousins. Yeah, I definitely yeah. get the vibes that they had some feelings for each other. For I sure. thought so. I, I, I yeah. want to say it's always tough with Lord of the Rings because it's a lot more you know kid friendly. I guess if you want to do it, there's not so much of that romance stuff. Yeah, there's not so much incest and no, and no, no, none of that good stuff. No. Um, That's later in the show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I want to say they could be related somehow. So oh, okay, yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'll we'll have to look into yeah, that. Yeah, I'll, I'll look, look into, into that, that a little, but uh, they definitely they definitely have a history. Okay. They definitely have some history, so. Um so basically, you know, after their their greeting, you know, their their reconnection there, um he lets her know that she is basically being sent home, that her job is being considered done, that she did what she was sent here to do. She, you know, vanquished enough orcs and that she is sending uh, getting sent back to uh Valinor. Which is basically, you know, where the whole like the elves live, like we said. It's basically heaven. Yeah, right. And you're, you know, you have to earn your right to go back. Like it's not something you can just go back to whenever you want to. You Correct. have to, like, you know, basically accomplish your task and be allowed to go back. So it's right. supposed to be like this great honor, you know, for her to go back. And right away, you can tell that she is just not pleased. You know, she's not pleased about it at all. She she doesn't feel like her job is done, and she feels like you know Sauron's still around, and there's still more work to do. Um. Basically, Elrond, you know, convinces her that it's been however many centuries. We don't know how long, but he says many centuries now where there's been no action, basically. You've done your due diligence. Go home because if you don't go home now, you're basically going to be stuck here forever. Right. And he also says that if there's any sign in the future of Sauron or of orcs or of any of it coming back, that he will personally take it upon himself to handle it. Yeah, it seems like he's, uh, you know, trying to reassure her that uh, she can get out of there and he can kind of take care of things. And I also think he was, I think in that first conversation, she asked for a, uh, like a 
to have a conversation with Gilgalad, the elven king there. Yep. And he says, after the ceremony, you yes, can. That's right, that's right, that's right. So I don't know if he kind of was doing that just to kind of like trick her into, right. not trick her, but you know what I mean? Just kind of yep. avoid that confrontation with her where, like, all right. He already knew how it was going to go down. Kinda. Yeah, I think he already sort of knew that she was going to be asking to, like, I think she says to him in their first conversation, I'm going to ask him for another battalion, basically. Right, 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 go right, back right. out there. And he's like, you can talk to him after the ceremony. Right. Which the ceremony is them her shipping her out of there, right. you know. Yep. So I found all that very, very interesting. Uh, like I said, I, I mean, I still can't believe. I mean, I guess after hundreds of years, if it really has been that long, but she just seems like the kind of girl like you'd want to follow. To me, I don't know. I agree. I, you know, I think she's. You know, like you said, she kills a snow troll. She's leading the pack. Up, They're yeah. up like in the middle of the mountains, way yeah, ahead of everybody. That, like, gets straggled behind. She goes back. She like covers them up. Yeah, they're climbing like the mountain, and she's like way ahead of everybody up yeah. on the side of the mountain. So it's like, no, I agree. But I think it's just people are tired. You know, and uh, I think they say in the beginning too that it like it had just so much time had passed that a yeah. lot of those elves and those sort of uh you know feelings and memories had like begin to begin to fade yeah i guess that's definitely true we don't see any of it or anything there's no flash forwards or backwards so it is tough for us to really get like the idea of it being that long right i get it you know yeah um so from there we go to another we just kind of like i said we ton of people ton of places the next introduction we get the introduction of another uh elf um arendir who I think is going to be... Is it Arendir? Yeah, Arendir. Who I think is going to be a, a bit of a badass. He seems pretty cool. So I guess basically he was like kind of put on station after Sauron was defeated. A bunch of the elves were kind of put on these towers to be just like, command towers, keep watch. So yeah, I forget if it was either... I want to say it was either Morgoth or Sauron that gets defeated. And then the elves put up a bunch of watchtowers, like you said, basically to look over the far, the far east lands to make sure um, no signs pop up or anything. But yeah, I think they've been out there for what? What they say? I know he said that years, he had yeah. been seventy nine years. Where he was seventy nine. Seventy nine years. So yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, basically just like a little security post out there, you know, like almost little castles along the wall in uh, Game of Thrones. There, little, yeah, little spots exactly. the Night's yeah, like watch. the uh, the Night's Watch a little bit. Uh, but he goes into a town, which obviously it seems like he's in a lot. Uh, the bartender knows him by name and stuff like that. One of the guys in the bar gives him a hard time, which he handles like with super class. The guy friggin' insults the shit out of him. The bartender goes to stick up for him. He catches the bartender's hand, which I thought was sick. He's like, we don't need violence. Like, yeah. Just get this guy out of here. Everything's going to be chill. Uh, it seems like he's got a love interest. It seems like a, a little maiden, a, a woman. He's definitely got a little something going on with that uh, that girl. I forget her name. Yeah, I, I, I forgot it as well. But it seems like uh, there's definitely some love interest going on. There are rumors apparently going around town that they had been together. And I have the feeling that her son is his son. I think it's, I think it's their son. He, he's got the skin complexion for it. We don't know who he says. Uh, one of the kids that's bullying him basically says that you know you don't know who your dad is or whatever happened to him, which gives me the impression that like there's there's no story because I'm definitely interested to see what's going on with that that kid in that sort of situation because I think at the end he goes and sees her and she's sort of like uh, what do you want and he's like oh I've said it so many times but never in words so right. I don't know like which gives me the impression like you know he's in love with her kind of at that right right but so like I don't know I think if you had a kid with someone like you would know 
whether or not they were in love with you, I guess. So I don't. I just. I guess I don't know how long that relationship's been going on or yep. how serious it is. So, but that kid's definitely got. He's got something going on there. Definitely. You know, he's he's definitely an interesting character. Yeah. So he actually the the son ends up going into uh, it looks like a barn. Basically, there's this little hidden cache underneath one of the floorboards. He pulls it up and he finds the broken sword or a broken dagger. Oh, I'm guessing it's Margot. I would have to imagine. I think it's just a black blade. Is it? I'm not 100% sure. I think it's got like that little, uh, it's got the same that like twist on it. there. It's yeah. Got that, it's got the Sauron mark. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. On the blade, it's got the little Sauron mark. I th- this, so there's some weird thing going on with this show with licensing and rights. I'm not too sure. They, they mentioned it a couple times, but I guess there's certain aspects they can't touch on. But um, I think from like the Lord of the Rings series, you're saying, yeah. Oh, right, so right, there's right, certain yeah. like storylines, I guess, that they can't they can't actually talk about. I, I guess got you. Um, that's fucking weird. It is weird. So I think it might just be like a black blade. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I know uh, Morgoth's weapon was like Grange or something, which was like a huge like hammer, basically. Okay. Um. So I I think that's like a blade from Mordor or something. Okay. Not a hundred percent. Definitely sure. seems like it's got some spiritual voodoo or some shit. Going something on crazy. It, yeah. Something. He sees crazy. like an eye. Like I said, he sees the fucking the Sauron emblem light up, and then he almost kind of gets like possessed by it. Sort of. He kind of fades out for a minute. Look like the uh, like when they go into that. Um, I don't even know cavern. You want to call it at the beginning, and they're kind of messing. It looks like they were messing with like dark magic. He says they were kind of doing something, bringing something back and forth. So I wouldn't be surprised if the that blade and that cavern are tied into each other a little bit. You know. Okay. I got you. Yeah. All right. So after the kid finds that, we get a pretty gross little image. Uh, we're still in the town. This farmer brings over his cow. Uh, yeah, says gross. something's wrong with it. Aaron, <laughs> um, Aaron Deer, which I'm going to work on. These names between Lord of the Rings and House of the Dragon being <sighs> on at the same time. These names in my head is going to fucking explode. It's going to be real tough. <laughs> but... Aaron did goes over to the cow, gives it a little squirt in the milk, and literally just black fucking goo gum yeah. just comes pouring out of his Nasty, disgusting. nasty stuff. Um, but then, you know, him and the lady, they basically, uh, they ask where, where he was, which I forget the town that they were in. But they instantly set off for it. Together. I think. I think he just says they were east. I forget. Was it? Could have just been a direction. He says it was east, a and then he mentions a. Uh, he mentions a town or yeah, something. Yeah, he was hoarded. Yeah, hoarded might be. I think he's right. All right. Uh, and then we go to the last scene of the episode, which is Galadriel on her boat. She is heading to, she's heading to Valinor with the elves. And basically, as they're getting right into the gate, the, the gate of light is opening up. Galadriel says, this isn't for me. She literally dives overboard in the middle of the sea. And as that happens, a fucking meteor comes plummeting out of nowhere and lands right next to the Harfoot's home. Do those two things like correlate? Like correlate? I feel like they do. Like I don't know if, if Galadriel doesn't jump off that boat if that meteor ever comes down. I think those two things may be directly correlated with one another. I'm they, definitely they happen at the exact same time. At exactly. The show too. And the right. other thing that uh, I think could bode to your point is that when Gilgalad and Elrond are speaking, he tells right. them that you know we we foresaw that something she does could cause could cause exactly, exactly what, she's trying, what she's trying to prevent. So. I'm not too. I, I'm having some trouble trying to figure out who that is. I've got a couple theories, but we'll so save yeah. that for the second episode, I guess. Uh, we see the meteor crash, like I said, right next to the Harfoots, and literally inside the meteor is Jesus. 
<laughs> Pretty uh, much. A uh, tall, bearded, <laughs> naked man with long hair is just chilling in this fucking meteor. And that is where the first episode ends. So the like we said, a lot of information. The only other thing I wanted to mention about that was um, when they first go into that cavern. And uh, he says, one of the elves says, oh, my hands, I can't feel the warmth anymore. And then he holds oh, yeah. his hand to the fire. Yeah. And he says, it's not even, it's not even. Dosh, it's so evil. like uh, that So light. evil yeah. that, you know, light or something. Yeah, can't make warmth, warmth can't touch it. Yeah. And then when Nori Harfoot jumps in there. And she lands on, or she falls in the it's pit. The, yep, yep, yep. She yep. lands on the fire, but she says, "This is the fire is not hot." So I'm, I'm trying, I'm yeah, interested to see there. if those that two kind of that is a good connection play into each other. That. So I don't know if if this guy is evil, evil. or well, let's say we're gonna pretty much get right to this. That's where episode two starts up. We come to the same spot, and right away, uh, the Harfoots actually for the night they they take him basically into the woods. They give him this little hut thing from the fall asleep. They come back the next day and he is started carving in all these scriptures to the wood and all that shit. And as soon as he sees, what's the Harfoot's name? The main one? Uh, Nori. Nori. Thank you. As soon as Nori. he sees Nori, he does some straight like evil witchcraft fucking dark shit. Wind coming. Reminded me storms. of uh, Fellowship of the Ring when uh, Bilbo doesn't want to give him the ring. Yes. Gandalf, exactly like that. Gandalf actually. sort of snapped at him and kind of got scary and it was like, oh shit. Yes. So that sort of makes me wonder, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of people this, this person could be. Yeah, I you agree. Know? I so agree. I don't know if it's Gandalf. I don't know if it's another wizard. I don't know if it's Sauron. I don't. I don't know how they're going to introduce him. But that that those two scenes just sort of reminded me a little bit of each other. You yeah. know, getting kind of intense. So uh, Nori tries basically trying to help him for most of the episode, just trying to communicate with him and such. He eventually ends up doing another thing, reminding me of Gandalf, which is he they had the the lamp. Full of fireflies. Fireflies. And he ends up basically like letting all the fireflies go and then just starts grabbing them one at a time and starts basically telling them what to do. Like just whispering like, to them. Just like yeah. Gandalf did was the butterfly, how he exactly. gets on the tower. So that was, again, I was just like, wow, this is interesting. Yeah. It makes me wonder if that's that's who it's going to be. Gandalf, huh? Yeah, definitely, I'm, definitely I'm just curious because that's sort of like... Baby Yoda, Jesus Gandalf? Thinking is in the books, that's like he's sent there, you know, from uh, from Valinor. True, right. To, like, to accomplish like the quest. To yeah. accomplish the task, you know. And we know he's old as shit. Old as shit, and I and he's got like a thing for hobbits. That's like, true. He Lord does have rings, a super like, soft spot he for loves hobbits. Hobbits. So I just don't. You know, that's that's sort of where I'm at. I think it. I think that could be who who we end up seeing. Now you were hobbits. asking about what you think the purpose for the hob uh, the Harfoots are. I, I would imagine that this guy and trying to basically his storyline is going to be featured around his Harfoots. I'd imagine. Right, which makes me even think more. Gandalf. So like, could be Gandalf. What if you it's know? Saruman? That would be interesting. Pre, like, real evil Saruman? That'd be very interesting. Yeah, because he's, I think he's, like, good. He's good before. Before he goes, yes. Before yeah, 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 he yeah. is. Yeah, him, Gandalf, Radicast, all them. I think, I think, I, I forget how many wizards are sent over. But there's, that's, that's sort of Gandalf's origin story, as he's sent there, you know, from Valinor. So... Um, we're going to try to, rather than go linear through this one, I'm just going to kind of go through the character lines because we have to kind of keep moving because we have a lot to do. Oh, yeah. Um, but the biggest thing that I loved the most about this storyline from this episode was definitely what Lord Elrond did. He is talking to the king, which is, what's his name again? 
Uh, King Durin. I think he's talking with the prince. Oh, is it? So the the king comes in later at the end there. Where okay. We, where we see that, uh, I guess, the jewel at the end. All right. Um, but that's the king, and then there's the prince Durin. All right. So they have uh, plans for this, you know, this this new forge, basically this new elven forge. They're saying that they're going to be able to create things with it that would completely like shape Middle Earth, you know, change the game entirely. He wants it to be built by spring, and basically, in order to do that, they need like the biggest army of builders ever assembled. Uh, Lord Elrond suggests his dwarven friend. Uh, so we go to Kazadum. Kazadum, which is Moria, eventually, right? I believe it is. I think so. I believe so. It, I think they mentioned Kazadun in in, um, in the Fellowship. They, I, oh, they definitely do. They definitely do. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was a great scene going in there and seeing what they've what they're cooking up in the mountains. Going into Kazadun. Yeah, yeah, this was definitely my favorite part of the entire two episodes. Just like walking in there for the first time and seeing Moria in its heyday. Because we only see it, obviously, in the Fellowship, and it's super run down and beat up. It looks like it's been abandoned for forever and stuff like that. And now yes. this place is popping. This place Real is Real nice. Sick. they got the gardens, the waterfalls. He's got a tree planted down there. So Yeah, he basically... So I guess he has a... Lord Elrond says he has a, a friend who's a dwarf who's the prince, Prince Durin. Yep. He tries to call a meeting with him. Prince Durin's not having any of it. We're not really sure why yet, but he just yep. wants nothing to do with seeing his so-called friend. They basically have an <clears throat> awesome scene, which I love. Because the dwarves are my favorite part of Lord of the Rings. They're just like simple and seem like they have like to have a good time, which I can relate yeah, to. They just want to drink. Yeah. just want to drink and hang out with their jewels, basically. So they're like, all right, <laughs> how are we going to decide this? We're going to do a rock smashing contest. Yeah. If you can smash more rocks than me, we'll listen to what you got to say. If you can't smash more rocks than me, you got to leave. You can never come back. You're banished. Never from come back. Lands forever. That's it. Lord Elrond says, all right, let's do it. They go back and forth for a while. It looks like they smash fucking a thousand boulders. And then at the end of the day, uh, Prince Durin gets the best of them. Lord Elrond has to bounce. But before he does, he asks if uh, Prince Durin you know, walk him out, basically. So they can have a little time to chit-chat. <laughs> yeah, Elrond's smart. He yeah. knows what he's doing. Great, great move. Very, very smart. Still gets to get his, his conversation in. Uh, and you find out that Prince Durin's basically just upset because this guy kind of just left them high and dry. You know, they, they were friends, yeah. and now it's been, I guess, like eighty years. I think they said it was or twenty or twenty years. It's been twenty, 20 years. years. Yeah, he got married. He had two kids. He missed his ma- he missed his wedding. He missed the birth of his kids. He missed all this stuff. There's no word, no note, no letter, no phone call, no text, no nothing. I think he just feels slighted, basically. You know, yeah. uh, I think Elrond sort of. Uh, you know, mentions it that twenty years in the life of an elf is pretty. Blink of an eye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's basically probably like a year or two. But right. um, yeah, he's he's just pissed that Elrond hasn't been around, hasn't been around to say what's up, hasn't met his wife or anything like that. So uh, yeah, you know, he's uh he's pissed. So they have a cool little dinner conversation, which I really really liked. Uh, Prince Durin's inviting him to dinner. He meets his wife now. The wife was hysterical. The wife was cracking me up. She was all about having him there. She was like, stay as long as you want, have dinner, trying to mend the bridges. I thought it was very, very funny. She does mention one interesting thing that I'm hoping we see later on is uh, she's talking about singing to the rock. Oh, yes. That's right. The mountain. Digging where they should dig. Yep, yep, um, yep. The mountain sings back. Exactly. And I know I had mentioned the jewel earlier, but uh, I think it's Casa Doom where they dig up the Balrog. Where they dig yes. too deep, right, 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 and they right, get right, too right. greedy. So I'm hoping we, I'm hoping that would be cool. About yeah, the I'd like to see that. That would be. I'd sick. like to see that. You know. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I love that guy. I mean, they have an awesome fight at the top of that tower. Oh no, it's not the top of the tower. Where is it? It's the 
On the mountainside. It is. Yeah, yeah. I think it is lightning, top of the tower on lightning the lightning and shit. Of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's an awesome, awesome scene. Um, but eventually, he ends up, you know, convincing Prince Durin to hear him out and hear his request uh, to basically form an alliance so that the dwarves can help them build this forge that they want to get done because, you know, dwarves great builders, get it done nice and quick. He takes his request to the king, and it seems like he's got something up his sleeve because he's kind of saying that he's playing Lord Elrond. Even though he's believing what he's saying, he believes the truth and stuff like that, it seems like they have a little bit of their own endgame in hand. Well, I think uh, the dwarves found something. I don't know what, what was in that box, but his dad, King Darn. Yes, that's right. They he don't says, show. we're the one holding the, the handle of the hammer. Yep. They don't they don't know it yet. I'm, I'm interested to see what that is. I don't know if that's the king's jewel from The Hobbit or if it's one of the uh, Silmarils, which is like this really powerful gem that like these elven smiths made back in the day yeah, yeah, yeah. morgoth stole all three of them and okay. there's two people who get one back at some point from morgoth so i'm interested to see if that's what they those. found yeah it's just very yeah. shiny we don't really see what's in the box we just see super it like, shiny yeah, out so because that would be big that's that's like uh from the light of the trees okay which is like which something in the beginning right right Oh, so those one. those that's where those jewels were formed. So those are kind of a big deal. They're powerful. They've they've got a lot of interesting. Uh, yeah, they've Could got a lot probably of probably playing to the forging of great rings, maybe. For sure, for sure. Cool. Uh, that was basically what you know what Elrond did in this. But like I said, loved seeing Khazad-dûm. Loved meeting the dwarves. I look forward to seeing more of them in the show. Uh, Galadriel spent a lot of this episode swimming, like a lot of it swimming. Yeah, it was exhausting, honestly. Yeah, it really was. It was tiring to watch. Uh, but that's what you get from <laughs> jumping off in the middle of the fucking sea. Uh, she eventually finds basically a little tiny like crew of misfits that are floating on like fifteen doors tied together. She hops on. They get attacked by this sea worm. She ends up basically escaping with one other guy. They're uh, now in it together. It seems like. Then they have to dodge a vicious storm. So they had you know their shit cut out for him in this episode, I guess. Uh, he saves her though. She almost drowns at one point. He goes in and saves her. It seems like these two are probably going to be connected in some way. I guess going forward, it seems like they're probably going to partner up. I'm wondering if that might be Sauron too. Oh! So right when he, uh, right when he Whoa. says, he says, um, he says something like, uh, "Looks can be deceiving." Yes, he does. After he helps her on, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. as soon as he says that, the the storm kicks in. No shit. I'm just a little curious to like how they're gonna introduce him because they have to introduce him, and he t- he's like a he's slick, yeah, so right, he comes right. in different Slide. forms, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, he, yeah. you know what I mean. So I, dude, I had no idea that was even a possibility, but that's sick. And that the other idea. thing is, is that like they were saying, it's something they foresaw her causing. So is like he gonna right, bring yeah, this guy yeah, back yeah. and sort of? I'm just sort of interested to see what that guy's deal is. No yeah, that's yeah. I didn't think of that, but that's a good idea. Yeah, I love that. That'd be sick. Uh, but yeah, that's basically, you know, like she ends up, they end up getting out of it. You know, it seems like they're probably going to be finding land soon. They dodge the storm, they dodge the sea worm. So we're going to see where that goes. And then the last storyline, I guess, really for this episode was, uh, the elf and Erin. Yeah. Yeah. I keep getting his name fucking. It just won't stay in my brain. Oh, it's tough. <laughs> it's going to be tough. But they get, uh, to that, they get to this, the, you know, the new town that they basically heard that the cow got sick from basically from the first episode. They find this just huge fucking hole in the ground. It looks like, I don't even know, some massive worm just like 
just dug into this whole entire town. All the people are gone. So like they all probably died. Yeah, like a huge sinkhole. No bodies though. No bodies. No bodies. Yeah, which is very interesting. Very interesting. Did they get eaten? Did they get fucked? Did they leave? You know, who knows? Uh, but basically, they go back to the original town and try to warn everybody. You guys gotta, you know, get out of here. Actually, no. I'm sorry. He tells her to do that. Yep. He tells his girl to go back to the town. He dives right onto the hole, into the hole head first by himself like a psychopath. Yeah, it was a crazy move. Ball, gotta, ballsy, I, I love it, ballsy move. I, yeah, I, I love like it. it too. I like yeah. it too. Um, so basically, she goes back to the town. She tells everybody what she saw, what they found. No one believes her. She goes, finds her son back at home. It turns out that her son was attacked by like this vicious super orc. Massive talons, seemed super fast, seemed super strong, but they end up holding their own in a great fight scene. I've, I thought it was pretty awesome, and they end up cutting its head clean off. Thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought, I thought so it was too. good. I, I think they're gonna do the orcs a little more justice in this show. I think in yeah. the Peter Jackson shows, like the not the orcai, but the the, the orcs, orcs, yeah, just the just the, orcs. Just yeah, the yeah, smaller yeah. ones. I think they were uh, not portrayed as like weak. I, I think they are sort of like. They're traveling under under the ground because they can't be in the sunlight. Right. So that's why they're all in the ground. But I, I think they're gonna do the orcs a little more justice. Like that was a tough fight for the two yeah, the no, two I think people. It was vicious, dude. Yeah. He said, huge, huge talons, like massive. Has a crazy talons. mask on too. You know, he's got they got yep. the claws now, they're traveling underground. So yep. I, I like how they're they're making them, you know, portraying them yep. and, and making them look so And while he is uh Anderin dives into the grounds, he basically sees what looks like one of those, ends up running away from it, thinks he ducks behind something. And then his episode ends with him being kind of left up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen to him. He basically hides out, and then he gets grabbed by what looks like a bunch of tree roots and branches kind of sucked into nothingness, into the dirt or something like that. I think it might have been some more orcs. Really? I okay. think so, yeah. And it did look like long-ass, like, towny kind of thing. So it was kind of... Yeah, I think, I think they're... Uh Whatever the Sauron's cooking up, I think he's, you know... So I think that was a couple more orcs. You know, yeah. All I mean, all in all, I thought it was a pretty, pretty strong first two episodes. I liked the second one a lot better. It seemed like they really started to push things into the direction of where the show is actually going to go, whereas episode one was just a lot of information. But either way, I'm definitely I liked it. You know, I'm enjoyed by it. I'm definitely intrigued to see what they get to offer. It's it's definitely a little bit behind in the fight right now to House of the Dragon, that's for sure. Going up one against the other is definitely tough, but it's 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 early, a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of game left. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested to see what happens. I mean, it's tough to compete with Game of Thrones, sure especially is. number wise. You know what I mean? Of course, everybody's going to be drawn to that. But sure um, yeah, I think uh, I think if they keep doing things the right way and they they keep the pacing at the way it is and, yeah. and sort of just keep moving things along, I think uh, I think it could end up being really good. So yeah, I definitely think so. If we get some of these battle scenes that look as good as the rest of the show does, I mean, I don't know. What's yeah, gonna I stop. agree. I mean, just really just a little taste of you know something like that. <sighs> Yeah, you know? definitely tell with a lot of the money went into the the special effects and the CGI and the look of everything because it looks fucking gorgeous. It yeah. does. Uh, my two concerns going into this show was how it was going to look, which I'm not concerned about anymore, and I was concerned about it having that Lord of the Rings feel to it, and it definitely got the feel. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yep, definitely had some of the music too. Definitely brought back some of the uh, the, the good old Lord of the Rings music. You know what I mean? Yeah, the little Love intro it. I thought was they had a little bit of that sort of uh, Lord yep. of the Rings classic kind of stuff, and definitely some other stuff throughout the episode. So, like you said, I think episode two felt a little more like Lord of the Rings than episode one. Definitely, at least to me. But yeah, definitely, I, I thought so. Um, let's friggin' keep the pace going here. We're, we're having a good show. Let's keep it moving. 
Uh, we're going to go through She-Hulk as fast as we can, and then we are going to dive into House of the Dragon. Uh, She-Hulk, episode three this week. Uh, the People vs. Emil Blonsky. I got to say, this was, I think, my favorite episode so far of the three, which we're going to have Seth in next week, and I'm sure we can probably come back to this, but this, uh, he told me that this was his least favorite episode so far. He really, really? didn't like it. Uh, yeah, really? He didn't like, he didn't like episode three? He did not like uh, episode three. <laughs> so I was, I'm I was surprised, Seth. I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch any of She-Hulk or no? I haven't seen any no. of She-Hulk. Right, I haven't no seen so any we're gonna, of She-Hulk. We're going to go through it pretty quick. But, um, I've been listening to all the recaps, though, so I feel like I'm I'm pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I know what's going on in the show, you know? Uh, what did, you, did you like this week's episode, Louis? Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was pretty funny. I liked all the cameos as well. So. Yeah, they the the sitcom promise that they made, that this show was going to be very sitcom-y, like almost 30-minute funny comedies, they're keeping that up because it's it's exactly what it feels like. It's, it's a different feel for a Marvel show, definitely. But I'm enjoying it. Was this the one Meg the Stallion was in, or was that last week? So, we're definitely going to yeah. get into that a little bit, because I thought I thought Marvel did a the perfect job of trolling like everybody. Okay. Because they know what their fan, they know what a lot of their fan base is. It's a lot of trolls, it's a lot of douchebags, which they're actually also going to make fun of in this episode, which I love. But they put out there that they're going to have Meg the Stallion, and they know everyone's going to be like, what the fuck, Meg the Stallion yeah, is the Marvel MCU? <laughs> That's how I was What a fucking lame fucking thing. We have Marvel, Megan the Stallion. I was just like, whoa. The so, way it they so incorporate her into the show is fucking hysterical and it's genius and it worked perfectly oh, I love it. and it was great good good um so let's dive in um right away we open up high security prison that emil blonsky aka abominations being held at and we saw that in the end of last week he breaks out which we saw that scene in shang chi he's fighting wong but he's actually returned to prison on his own free will uh it turns out that he didn't actually break out of jail at all he was basically forced to break out of jail wong shows up and uh, he says Wong shows up, the Supreme Sorcerer Wong, and he basically said, hey, you're coming with me, breaks him out. Uh, he was forced to leave. And um, basically he wanted him to, you know, he wanted him to have, be good competition so that way he could be a good Sorcerer Supreme was his reasoning behind breaking him out. Right, yes, that's right. Wong needed a good, needed a good fight basically to prove his worth. Um, but Jen, you know, basically says, okay, I, you know, I hear you. We're going to look into this. I'm going to find this Wong guy. She doesn't know who Wong is yet. But then, you know, as she leaves the high-security prison, she has her first <coughs> uh, fourth wall break of the episode, which was my favorite one so far. We just mentioned Wong. She goes, all right, I know what you're thinking here. This isn't going to be one of those cameo shows. And then she pauses and she's like, except for, you know, Mark Ruffalo in episode one and Abomination in episode two and now Wong. All right, just don't forget who show this is. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was very, very funny. I liked that a lot. I like all these fourth wall breaks. I feel like they use them at the perfect times. Um, and while she's driving, they do this awesome little flash to the news cameras, basically. And it's a couple of different like news headlines. They're doing all these funny reads about She-Hulk. And then it goes to the comment section. And Marvel does their amazing job of trolling some of their own fans. But basically taking a bunch of tweets that you would see online. Like, why are they stealing the Hulk's powers and giving them to a girl? Why are we doing... <laughs> if we're going to have a female superhero, can't we give her her own powers? Just straight trolling oh, their own loser fans. At least they know. Their face. At least they know. It was, oh, it was perfect. It was so funny. I was dying laughing. I literally, like, fist pumped. I was like, there you go. I was like... Because there are so many of these fucking losers who are like... It, dude, it's like She-Hulk was written in 1982. Yeah. It's not like she was written two years ago. You know what I mean? It's not like they just stole her power. It's like she's a significant figure in the comics. Like, pay attention. Do a Google search for one time. You know what I mean? But I thought that was hysterical. 
Uh, she ends up at a uh, meeting at um, or her boss's office. And uh, Dennis, who we met back in episode one, is in there. This, this scene I thought was hysterical. Dennis is low-key like my favorite character in the show. This guy is fucking hilarious. Yeah, his ego is massive. It's so massive. This uh, He's basically saying that uh, he was uh, he's trying to sue for fraud. He, he was defrauded for $175,000. He was under the impression that he was dating Megan the Stallion. <laughs> Turns out that it was not Megan the Stallion. <laughs> it was, in fact, a shapeshifter from New Asgard who was just posing as Megan the Stallion. <laughs> Who we see very shortly after her alternative form is like this old woman, like witchy looking, like I don't even know how to describe Absolute her. lunatic. Yeah, very funny. Looks like something out of like the Haunted Mansion or something oh, like that. Man. <laughs> but I thought that was wicked, wicked, wicked funny. Uh, he's basically trying to find who's going to be his lawyer. They say Jen at first. He's like, no, I, I don't want her. I already know her. They bring in the other lawyer and he goes... Oh no! I can't have her. I can't have. Uh, I can't have. I can't be working with any tens when I'm talking about like uh, with about manly stuff. She could be my next fiance, which I thought was hysterical. Guy just has unwavering confidence in himself. Thinks he can get any girl at any single time. But I like Dennis a lot. Like I said, I think he's low key already becoming one of my new favorite characters. Yeah, he's funny. He cracked me up a few times in this episode. A few different times. I really. I don't know how big of a character he's really going to be in the show, but no, it just reminds me like the paralegal friend, just kind of like a side character who will like, yeah. fall in and out here and there and stuff like that. Uh, but I thought, like I said, that whole thing was wicked funny. And then from there, we finally get uh, Wong. Wong. Wong enters uh, right there in the meeting. Jen's like, "All right, let's you know, let's go out of here. Let's go meet you talk." Wong says exactly like what we said. Everything that Abomination said was exactly true. I broke him out. I needed to test myself to prove that I could be Sorcerer Supreme. And I actually also offered him a home at Kamatash. And he was like, nope, I got to go back to jail and finish my sentencing. Just showing that Emil Blonsky is really a reformed man, a new guy. You know what I mean? He's not the same uh, the, the same villain that he once was. Uh, a couple of funny things that happened there, too, was... Uh, Wong, Wong suggesting basically that he, he was like, I'm not erasing everybody's memory again. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, I didn't want you to do that. And then what does he do? He goes, all right, I'll send it to the mirror dimension. No, the shadow dimension. It was just like, I like all these references to things that we just saw in other movies. Uh, that whole thing I thought was very funny. Uh, what do we do from there? We saw the shape shift. Uh, we go back to the, yeah. So we go from the high security prison. And unfortunately... I was wrong. Last week, I was so sure that this reference that Emil Blonsky has, that Abomination has to his seven um, pen pals, his seven oh, soulmates, yeah. that was, was going to be funny. a reference to the Thunderbolts movie. It turns out, nope, they're just seven pen pal soulmates all dressed up like angels in white dresses, all there for his yeah. hearing, cheering them on, just cheering them on, clapping and giving him the googly eyes. Oh, it was hysterical. I was... Kind of happy to be wrong just because it was so funny, but I thought for sure that that was a, a tie into the Thunderbolts movies like I said last week. I thought for sure. I was shocked. But um, basically, uh, you know, Jen explains that Abomination came back on his own free will. He's a new changed guy. If he gets out, he has his own little piece of land. He's going to open up his own meditation retreat with the funding of his seven roommates, which I thought was hilarious. And then Abomination, uh, to basically kind of double down that he is reformed now, Turns into abomination on command. Everyone gets scared for a second. And then he's like, guys, guys, it's fine. Relax. Shrinks back down to size again. And then Jen's like, hey, look it. He just did that just now. He could have escaped here any time that he wanted to. And he literally chose not to. If that's not showing reform, then I don't even know what the fuck is. So it turns out they end up getting Wong to come in too. They bring him in as a witness. 
Wong again corroborates the entire story. He broke him out. It was all his doing. He came back on his own free will. So then the, the hearing, the whatever you want to call them, the judges, turn to Wong and they're like, well, if that's the case, you just broke out a high security prisoner. And Wong instantaneously is like, oh, all right, well, I got to get out of here. See you later, guys. Opens up a portal and he's out. He's out. Wicked funny. Smelly. I fucking loved it. I was cracking up. Great cameo from Wong altogether. I thought it was really good. Yeah, everything, was good. everything about it was good. Like we said uh, a couple weeks ago, all give me all of the Wong content that you can give me. Um, so basically, the judges say, "All right, you know what I mean. You're, you're good. Uh, abomination is set free." So interesting to see what we're going to see from him now going forward. I, I mean, I'd have to imagine that the, I don't know if we'll see him again. I don't know. Jen wins her first case, too. It's big. Jen wins her first case. Yep, yeah. I wonder if we're going to see Abomination again now in this series. I did say last week. I was pretty confident that we were going to see him again. We got him again this week. I bet you still see him. We might get him another time or two. I'd be, eh, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't um, know in what capacity, but we'll see. We, I don't think we're going to wait all the way to the Thunderbolts movie to get him. You know what I mean? I feel like we have to find a spot for him in some way. Yeah. How many episodes is She-Hulk? It's going to be nine. Nine episodes, episode half hour? Yeah, half hour. Quick watches, real real quick, in and out. Yeah, it's not too bad. No, no, it's yeah, easy. They it's might not fun. even be a half hour, too. It's usually like a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, of, the, of the credits and everything. Yeah, it's probably like 20, 25, 26 minutes a pop. Uh, from there, we go to the bar. She is at the bar with her paralegal friend, whose name I cannot remember, and... Uh, Dennis. Oh, no, not Dennis. I'm sorry. The other lawyer. The lawyer that Dennis goes to. Yeah. Uh, they have the next fourth wall break, which I thought was funny because now we're, we're taking out two storylines. We're taking Jen and we're taking the shapeshifter, Megan the Stallion, and we're going we're gonna to put them together. And basically, Jen is just like, all right, like, I, I know this Dennis guy. Like, I used to work with him, and, like, he is a fucking lunatic. He has so much confidence in himself. He's a nut job. He used to talk to us about his sex life all the time. He definitely believes he was dating Megan the Stallion. So the lawyer right away is like, that's music to my ears. Will you say that on the stand, please? And sure enough, that's exactly where they jump to is the courtroom. Jen's on the stand, and she says that exact thing. Like, this guy is so delusional, so full of himself, has the biggest head in the entire world. He absolutely thinks he was dating Megan the Stallion. <laughs> and sure enough, the judge is like, all right, like, Closed book. I guess we're done here. Like $175,000 to this guy for you know, fraud. And then uh, gives the shapeshift the 60 days because she impersonated the judge earlier in the episode. Yeah, which was. I thought was pretty funny. And then we also have Megan the Stallion in the actual courtroom just cheering on Jen. Which I thought was, again, wicked funny. I just thought that was such a funny way for Marvel just to basically like throw the middle finger up. It's just like, yeah, here she is again, guys. She's not done. And we're going to see it one more time still, so... I don't think that's an. I, I don't think we'll be seeing Megan Thee Stallion again after this episode. Yeah, I hope not. Her joining the MCU, I think, was just one episode. Like I said, I thought they did a fucking hysterical job at it. Um, the oh yeah, so basically from there, I'm sorry. That's when they announced that Abomination's going to be free. The only thing you can't do is turn into Abomination, is what they say. But he's like, yeah, no problem. I'm going to be a nice little uh, yoga teacher now. So he's all set. And then we go to the last scene of the show. Which is uh, Jen. She's just won her case. She's feeling good. She's walking home. She's getting out of her car. She's walking into her apartment. And she gets jumped by four guys who got some very glowy, magical-looking-ass weapons. And she forgets for a second that she's even a superhero in She-Hulk. She's, like, in her actual Jen form. And then she's, like, getting jumped. She's like, oh, wait a second. Like, I'm She-Hulk. She flips the switch. Kicks the four guys' asses in, like, two <laughs> seconds. The four guys seem like just total morons. Yeah, absolute schmucks. Reminded me of... Um, what is it? The uh, from Hawkeye? There. What do they call the uh, the suit jacket guys? I can't fuck the uh, 
Jumpsuit Mafia? The Jumpsuit Mafia? It might be. I, mean, I think it was. I think it was the Jumpsuit Mafia. I think it was what they were called. Those guys were all morons, too. But instantly reminded me of those guys. They hop into a van after getting their ass kicked. They call their boss, who I'm assuming we're going to learn about sooner or later. I have a feeling the boss is going to be someone we know. It probably is Kingpin, which might be why those guys reminded me of one another. Kingpin was also their boss. And we know he's going to be in this series, even though he sucks. But uh, that was pretty much how that episode ended, which I thought was a good end. Uh, you know, good ending. We finally saw She-Hulk do some action for the first time, aside from fighting, you know, Bruce. She literally fucked those guys up in two seconds. I think we're probably going to get a little bit more of that now in the, the later half of this show. You know what I mean? I think we're getting some more action. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I mean, I've been enjoying the show. I think it's been funnier more than anything. It's been very sitcom-y. Definitely, definitely, definitely. But now that we had kind of like a little bit of like a, a little bit like an actual established bad guy of some sort, I think now we're going to start to do more of the story aspect of the show that wherever we're going to go, like we know we have Daredevil coming in and shit. So, which that would also tie in that. If it's, it is the Kingpin who's in charge of these guys, New York, Daredevil, New yeah. York. Like why is Daredevil actually coming to the West Coast at all? The show takes place in LA. Makes sense. So it definitely would make sense for the Kingpin, that whole thing would tie together, which maybe we'll see some of that next week. Uh, and then the only thing after that was the after credit scene, again, used for pure comedy, and there's another middle finger to the Marvel fans. We just got Jen and Megan the Stallion. They're back at her office. I guess she's signing Megan the Stallion to be her client. She's going to be her official lawyer. And then they start basically just twerking it out. And then a very funny line that I thought was <laughs> just funny. Just booty popping. I thought the very last line of the show was pretty funny. Megan the Stallion goes, you're so much funner than my last lawyer. And she just goes, I will kill for you, Megan the Stallion. And she's like, yo, settle down. <laughs> I thought the whole thing was very funny. Uh, like I said, I thought they did a great job of bringing in Megan the Stallion when they knew people were going to be pissed about it, and they did it in a way where they don't actually have her be like an actual character. It's like she's a superhero or some shit like that. Just kind of seemed like more of a one-off to me. But yeah, for sure. altogether, very funny episode. Like I said, I think it might have been my favorite one. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot, probably because Wong was in it. Right, give me all the Wong. I love him. Uh, but that is episode three of She-Hulk. Uh, episode four on Thursday. Looking forward to that. Make sure you guys keep up with that. And then let's get into the juice. The end of uh, the last thing we got. Hot D. House of the Dragon. Episode three. Second of his name. This was, I thought, a pretty banger of an episode. I was a big fan. I thought, uh, I still liked, I think the pilot, the, I think the pilot was still my favorite. But I think this, I liked more than last week. I think this is my second favorite yeah, I agree with you there. Had a lot of, had two different sequences of pretty damn good action, pretty fucking awesome action scenes, and then I think a lot of, you know, the typical thrones in the middle, a lot of chess piecing, a lot of conversing, a lot of character building. Uh, I thought it made a, it made a, basically a really good thrones episode, of like well-rounded, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I liked well. it. I like how they're pacing things, too, in this show. Like, we're not getting any unnecessary information. We're no. finding out all the major players right away. We've got a couple time jumps in there. Because what was this, two years now? So, it maybe more like three Yeah, probably closer to three, three years. years. His second name day. Yep. He had to, you know, they had to be pregnant for a good nine, nine months. months. Exactly. So it's probably pretty close, if to not three, three years. Yeah, so I, I like the way they've been doing this a little a little better than first season of Thrones. Like you said, they're not, there's no wasted scene. There is no time in this show to like run to the bathroom and take a piss. There's no time to check your phone and send a text. Every single scene, every single word it seems like is kind of important. It's all very big. They're not wasting any time. No. It's just go, 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 lock go, it go, in. go, go, go. And I agree. I love it. You know what I mean? I, I love how fast we're moving. I think that. We were talking with Luke, you know, when exactly are we going to get to the Dance of Dragons? We know that that's going to be the big 
building point of the show that we're going to be getting to. Right. And it seems like we were saying they might not get to that, you know, season two. I don't know. We might get there. We might see a little bit in season one. You know what I mean? Maybe the, maybe the start of it, and then they'll really develop in season two. But because he's, point, he said, it, I think he was saying, it's like a 28-year, right? This Or it's like... 20, to get to the events? Yeah. It's like uh, 28 years. I think, yeah, yeah, that's what I, I thought guess, I remember yeah. him saying. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see because, I mean, I'm assuming they're going to have a couple seasons. Yeah, yeah. We already yeah. know the second one's greenlit for sure. That one's already in production. Or, I mean, the beginning of phases of production, they just, you know, greenlit it. But I would imagine it's going to be probably, like, you know, four, maybe four or five. We'll see. Yeah. You, know, you never know. Obviously, you don't want to do what you did with Game of Thrones, too. You, you always want to end on a high note. You don't want to run too long, especially when we have so many more shows coming. It's not like this is the end-all, be-all. We know there's so many more shows. So right. It's like, end on a high note. Keep the keep, the, keep the And just happy, keep, yeah, you know keep, I mean? keep and it going. Exactly. Just get to the next show. I don't even I don't even think Thrones, I don't want to get too distracted, but I don't even think Thrones like was drawn out too much. I thought they drew it out too much in the beginning and then they tried cinching everything together yeah. too quickly it ruined everything yeah exactly. like yeah. I, I would have been fine with a, yeah, yeah i would have been brutal. fine with a couple more seasons if you like yeah. there's so the much stuff seasons like yes you know there mean? was so much so much stuff that like they did that was like wow i can't wait to find out what happens there i can't wait to find out what happens there and then there was just no payoff no payoff in yep. the end yeah no, no they did you know? a bunch yeah. of storylines they just never finished yeah they just didn't bring to fruition it's tough um so let's dive into things. Spoilers alert for Hot Dragon. Spoilers. Uh, episode, I mean, uh, yeah, episode three. Uh, we start out where we have started out, actually most of the episodes, I think, on the Stepstones. Uh, we open up with uh, the crab feeder. He is uh, doing his typical thing, nailing guys to wood, putting crabs on them. And uh, two things that stood out right away is we get his name, which I thought was weird. Prince Drehar. It just sounds hilarious when you say that. <laughs> just nailing people to wood, putting, putting crabs on them. <laughs> Just, you know, his thing, his standard go-to move, you know? what he does. Doing what the crab feeder does. Feeding the crabs, you know? Uh, like I said, the two things stood out right away is that we get a, we get a name, Prince uh, Drehar, which I thought right away, I was like, all right, we're going to get some more background information, I guess, on this guy. Apparently, they, they figured out some more about him and shit. And then the second thing is we get a real good look at his face for the first time, like a real good look. And right away, I thought his mask looked like a son of a harpy mask from Game of Thrones. Saw that today. And in the uh, the after show, the the, uh, the production confirmed it. So I was like, all right, word, it is it is a son of a harpy mask. Yeah. So I was like, that's interesting. I didn't even know. Reeling you right back long, in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Reeling you right back in. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So we'll, yeah, we'll get into that. I I have no idea. I didn't even know the sons of. I thought the sons of a harpy were like a new thing, kind of in Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? I thought they formed basically Same. to fight Daenerys Targaryen. Apparently not. Clearly, they've been around for a little bit longer than that. You know what I mean? They must have some kind of power in the free cities. You know what I mean? It must be a little formation or something like that. But I don't know if he was either one of them or maybe killed one of them, put the mask on himself to hide this awful grayscale that he's got. Because, God, he has got the worst-looking grayscale that we've ever seen. Jorah Mormont looked bad. That was like his back, at least. This yeah. is this guy's fucking head. His hair's all, like, falling Perfect for his character, though. Yeah. The crab feeder, just, like, with the half mask, with the flaked-up skin. He does. He he is, like, a very fucking weird-looking cat, man, just in yeah. general. Most of, I mean, most of the people in, you know, Thrones, they're all bad guys, but they just look normal. This guy looks like a bad guy. Yeah, he, he does. Foul, you know what I mean? Um, But... We have a sick, 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 sick entrance from Caraxes. I got his name down this week. And Prince Daemon. They just come flying on in. They start lighting up the triarchy, just lighting them all up. And then he makes a move that, as soon as it happened, I was like, why the fuck are you doing that? He lands his dragon. Why are you land on a dragon? Dragons, like, fly. Be in the air. You put yourself on the ground. Now you're, like, able to get hit by arrows, spears. 
You know what I mean? Taking away your advantage. I agree. What the fuck? That's Amateur. not how you use a dragon. That's no. like dragon 101. Stay in air. Stay in the air. You know what I mean? What Stay the fuck? in the That's air. The first thing you learn in First rule. School. It's the first rule. Stay in air. That is one uh, of the two main advantages. Yeah. You only yeah. land your dragon if you're done fighting. You're landing your dragon to go home. That's it. No That's more it. landing. But uh, he lands. He calls out you know, Prince uh, Dreha, basically trying to call him out to like a little duel. They all, the Triaki, recedes back into these caves, basically hiding from the dragon, and then they just light up a bunch of arrows, fire them all, Damon takes one, and then basically he just skedaddles the fuck out of there. But what an opening, I thought. I thought it was sick. Yeah, it was nice. Awesome opening. Karatsis looked awesome, I thought. You fucking just burning everybody up. It was awesome to see the dragon. Yeah, Karatsis looked really cool when he took off and they, they were leaving at the end of that scene. Yes. Karachis looks really cool yeah. flying away. Luke mentioned that. Whenever he flies, because it's so different looking from the other dragons, it does look cool. Yeah, it's that like a snake. Sna- yeah, yeah, yeah. So long. He's always like doing that when he's t- like landing and shit. Trying to like, get off. going almost. You know? Yeah, yeah. It is very cool. Like I said, I love that dragon. I love Prince Daemon. I said, right from the jump, I all my cards were on the table. I said, Prince Daemon's going to be my guy before I saw a scene of this show, only trailers. If you did not buy in on any Prince Daemon steak before this episode, you're out now because the stock's through the fucking table. Yeah. <laughs> you're out of luck, dude. You missed the boat. <laughs> uh, from there, we go to our uh, our time jump, basically. So we find out we're three years in the future now. We are on a hunt, very reminiscent to King Robert's hunt, I thought of right away. Yep. But we are on a hunt with like basically the king's whole orchestra, all of the ladies of the court, all of his his hand, his law, uh, his um, what is it? Uh, law. I can't even think of it. Fucking, I can't even think of the word of it. But you know, all of his guys are there with him. Uh, Master of law. Thank you. There you go. Hand of the king. All those guys. They're all there. Uh, they're celebrating the the new baby. The king, Viserys, and Allison already had a child, uh, Aegon, Aegon II. It is his second birthday, and Allison is very pregnant again. His second name day. Second name day. <laughs> second name day. Uh, and we find out, like I said, Allison's very, very, very pregnant. The king is being told about the, the problems on the stepstones, basically that King Damon and the Sea Snake are have their hands full, that things aren't going very well. It's been three years that they've been at this war for. You would have thought this would have been kind of an easy thing for them to take care of, but clearly not. And the king, as he's done this entire show so far, just brushes it off again. And it's just like, it's been three years. They can wait three more days. It's very reactive, I feel. Everything he does is after the fact. Everything, it seems like everything is about him and his stupid little fucking ceremony and his stupid kids. It's all he cares about is him and his, his, his boys' birthdays or his boys' fucking parties or his boys' hunts. Yeah, the king's straight chilling. Straight chilling. It's unbelievable, man. He just doesn't, uh, he's not, he's just not a good king, which Prince Damon said himself. He's never been good at it. He said, being king. Um... My first thought after, you know, the initial thing about him brushing it off was I was like, we just did a three-year time jump. Like, I can't believe this guy's even still, like, walking around. Like, I thought at this point that these infections would have fucking just crippled this guy. Yeah, I was I was thinking that that might have uh, progressed a little faster, the infections. Yeah. I mean, later in the episode, I think you see he loses yeah, we two are gonna fingers. Yeah, we are going to two digits. Yeah, yeah so. Down, down two digits. Yeah, so. But, yeah, he's weak. 
hasn't hasn't rode a dragon since Balerion, right? Yep, yep. It's been you a know? while. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't really had to. Obviously, you know, when the king, you know, the, there's no war times. The king's kind of you know at peace. He should just be there, kind of ruling, doing his thing, taking care of the high council. I just think that'd be something. You know, you want to go out, flex your muscles a little bit every now and Plus then. I just feel like let it's everybody fun. know. You know. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. Like if someone. Yeah. This spy's lurking or something like that. You go out for a little ride, you know, the spy sees it, he tips off this guy, he sees this guy. Next thing you know, an arrow catches the king when he's least expecting it, you know what I mean? It's a long shot, but... I don't know, but you're scared. Yeah, you don't, like, you don't like to have the king roaming around, you know what I mean? That's fair, that's fair. You don't like to have the king roaming around. Um, but he is asking everybody in the, in the entire room where Reynar is, and of course, nobody knows, no one can find her. And it turns out that she is... At the Weirwood Tree, again, being a typical teenage girl, she's got her, what I guess you can consider is an iPod, playing on repeat the same song over and over again. By an iPod, I mean just this poor musician. This one singular musician who is just forced to play the same song over, over and, and over and over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> uh. He pleads to play something else. She's like, no, 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 again, <laughs> again. Uh, which I thought that whole thing was very funny. Uh, Allison, the queen, shows up, and we have our first conversation between them with their new power dynamic of her being the queen and kind of her stepmother. Um, and she tells Reynara that her presence is wanted. The king wants her, you know, to go on the hunt. Reynara's like, "Fuck that! I want nothing to do with that." And then basically, it's like a little power struggle. There's a little power struggle that happens. Like the queen's like, "All right, musician, get out of here. I gotta talk to you know Reynara." Reynara's like, "No." Stay. And Stay. Like, nope. Your queen demands you to fucking leave. Yeah, it makes just like your queen. Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, you know what, dude? You're really gonna fucking do that to me? Like we were friends, like you know, three years ago. We were tight. Now you're gonna fucking stop pulling this shit with yeah, me. Yeah, you gonna start pulling the queen card? Yeah, Come I'm on. just, I'm here sulking, writing my journal, listening to my favorite song. Can you fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> but basically, uh, you know, she she says that the, the king's you know requested her to be there, so she's like, all right, well, if the king demands it, fine, so be it. So we go. You know, onto this little ride and little chariot, basically. And the king mentions for the first time, which is going to be a popular thing in this episode, but he mentions the idea that Reynar has a duty, and that is to marry. That's part of being, uh, you know, a, a king or a queen is you have to continue the line. Yeah, I'm wrong. single. <laughs> it's also obviously a great way to bolster your family and add strength, you know what I mean, with alliances. So it's something that even if you don't want to do, which she makes it very clear that she does not, it's something that you kind of have to do. And you can tell right away that, you know, she's not interested by it. And he mentions, again, uh, he mentions the idea of, you know, having a child, which she right away, her face is just like, ew, gross. Allison's like, it's not so bad. It's fine. The first kid came out like, no problem. It'll be pretty easy. But they go from there. They get to the actual, whatever you want to call it, the circus. King's Woods. Is that yeah, what it's called? Yeah, the King's, King's, yeah, the King's Wood. Uh, yeah, basically their huge tent where they're going to be staying during this hunt here. Um, a bunch of the ladies. A bunch of the ladies of the court. You get all of the King's Council. A bunch of people. Um, and also a pug. Interesting. There are pugs in Game of Thrones? I don't think I happened to catch that. Oh, oh I did, actually. She's sitting on the woman's lap, the right? Lap. Okay, I, I did, that. I, I did like, see that. My, whole, my head just turned. Honestly, like yeah, a dog. I, I, didn't like, even, I didn't even think of that, to be huh? honest with you. Because I think we saw the hounds, right? The hounds. Yeah. So I just, I guess I, I assume, But you're yeah. right. A but pug, pug, though. Yeah, like, it's, pug just chilling here on this lady's lap. I was like, what the fuck? But I thought that was pretty funny. 
they are talking about uh, it's the ladies of the court, and they're they're actually talking about the problem on the stepstones. They see Reynara. One of the ladies calls her in, says, "Hey, can you, you know give us some information?" Reynara's like, "We're not involved," and she's like, "Dude, just because." Just because the throne's not directly getting involved, don't get it twisted. Like, we're at war. Yeah. And you guys should be fucking doing something about it. The people know. Yeah. Seems like the people know. Yeah, exactly. Um, word. Um, but basically, uh, Allison actually at this point defends Reynara at one point in this conversation, basically saying that she is the better heir, the better choosing than Daemon was, which I thought was interesting that she decided to, you know, stand up for her friend there. It shows that. I think she has the right intentions, even though she fucked her dad and married her dad and now has two kids. Yeah, because you were saying last week you thought she was kind of a, a snake, too, after her father, kind of. I do think she is a snake. It's, it's, I do think that she has snake-like qualities, and I do think that she has her own ambitions. But I do also think, with that said, that she actually does care about Reynara. No, I agree. I, I was I was interested to get your thoughts on that a little because I know you said last week you weren't a huge fan of... Well, not that you weren't a huge fan, but like you said, that she knows what she's doing, essentially, right. which she definitely does. She definitely... Right. But I think she's trying to do it in the... Uh, like the least stepping on Rhaenyra's yes. toes way as possible. Yes, you know? yes, yes. And I think doing that in front of, like I said, in front of that entire like council or grouping of people, it's all people of power. And she's making that statement in front of all of them, I think says a lot, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Reach out the olive really branch back, a little yeah, bit. She backs her, you know, in front of everybody. And that's, I, I think that's important because she, at the end of the day, just had the king's first son. Right. So she could easily, if she really wanted to be a bitch, she could be, you know, playing that card already. Like, hey, you know, you named her the heir, but that was before we had Aegon. Now we got Aegon. You know what I mean? Like, right. I want my, he's my son. I exactly. want him to be heir. Oh, 100%. But she's, she's choosing not to go that route. She's, you know, back in Reynara. So to me, that was one sign where I was like, all right, you know what? While you might be out, you might have a little bit of your own ambitions. You might be a little bit of a snake. At least you're not a total, total, total bitch, I guess. Right. Um. From there, we go to what I thought was a pretty interesting scene. Reynara leaves the tent, and we get our first real meeting with a Lannister in this show. We meet Jason Lannister. Uh, and he instantly tries basically to you know seduce Reynara, says that he would build a dragon pit in Castle Rock for her so she can land her dragons, and is basically hinting at wanting to marry her, which Reynara instantly picks up that this wasn't, in, like, this isn't just a mistake this didn't just happen this isn't just his, this guy going out of his way like he was sent here yeah she knows that it was her dad now before we get to that real quick I was watching this episode and as soon as I'm watching it live and I'm, I'm looking at this Jason Lannister guy and I'm like I know who this fucking guy is I was like I, I know I know who this fucking guy is and at first are you guys ever I'm sure Ocean's 12 Ocean's 13 yeah, yeah you know the Night Fox like the he's like the, the like the the robber that they're basically going up against, kind of. He's like the guy who's robbing by himself in Ocean's Twelve. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They okay. have like the competition basically against them. At first, I was like, all right, it's it looks like that guy. It's not that guy though. But I'm like, I know this guy. I'm thinking maybe it was a comedy, like late two thousand or some <coughs> shit, some dumb movie. Finally, I end up fucking just googling him, right? And I see he's got a bunch of small roles and shit. The Tenet, Star Wars, dumb shit like that, but really small roles. And then I see Game of Thrones, two episodes, and I was like, huh. And I clicked it, and sure enough, he is Sir Hugh of the Vale from season one of Game of Thrones. He was Lord John Arryn's squire, who the mountain kills in a jousting competition, literally shoves his wooden sword right into his neck. It's when Sansa, like, basically first gets to, like, King's Landing. They have, like, a little tournament and shit. 
and that fucking mountain literally just stabs him right in the throat. He fucking bleeds out all over the place. Same like uh, that. same tournament it's that this... he chops the horse head off, or yes, yeah. Yes. So that that fight happens first. He like beats Sir Hugh and yep. he advances to fight the Knight of uh, the Knight of Flowers. Okay. Uh, so his first fight is like he literally fucking like I said he stabs him right in the neck. His like his wooden sword like splinters off. He's bleeding all over the. place. I know. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Then from that first season, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Ned yeah. Stock was like intrigued by his character because he was supposed to be kind of not poor, but he had like this great beautiful plate of armor when he died on. He was just like, how did this guy get all this money and shit? Like, right. He was kind of under the impression that he might have had something to do with John Aaron's death. Okay. Okay. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, motherfucker. I was like, I fucking knew I knew that guy. A little double dip. Game of Thrones. He definitely looked, yeah, he looked familiar for sure. Fucking, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh no shit. That's fucking cool. I really liked that a lot. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, But like I said, so Raynara's pissed. She goes back into the tent. She fucking goes right up to her father. She's like, is this all I am to you? You know what I mean? Like, you just fucking, like, now that you have your son, you got your new heir. Am I just some piece that you're going to basically wet off to try and get some armies and, you know, some gold or whatever? And this is entire, and again, entire in front of this entire ten of people, the whole the whole orchestra of people, and they start really going at it. And fucking Otto realize, you know, Otto's kind of like, yo, like there's people watching, you know what I mean? Like, let's not fucking do this here. But basically, right. the king is like, yo, you gotta marry. At the end of the day, no matter what, like that's the end of this conversation. You gotta fucking marry. And then from there, Otto trying to basically calm the scene transitions real quickly and says that the guys that are out hunting for you, trying to find you a nice little name day gift for your son, just spotted the White Heart, which is basically a fucking big ass white deer, which if you're into like North mythology and shit, it's a huge thing in North mythology. It's like the god of the woods and things like that. But they take it as like a, a, you know, a sign. They say it used to be the sign of royalty before the dragon was here. And they take it as like this this sign for Aegon that they find it on his name day during his hunt it's gotta be a sign that you know he is born into royalty uh, that Otto, he should be Otto seems like he's playing that up a little bit too definitely heavily you definitely. know kind of like uh, this is something special you know get, getting in his head a little bit absolutely um, so Raynara kind of hears this she's probably annoyed by that too because again she's like alright I'm trying to be overlooked again for like the 50th time she takes off grabs a horse Christian Cole follows her they have a wildly fast horseback chase. I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, wow, these guys, these guys fucking hauling. I was like, holy shit. So many falls right now. They're fucked. <laughs> this is a little bitch. If she falls, she's done, yeah, dude. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, eventually he ends up catching up with her. She relays the entire story of what happened with Jason Lannister and how her dad's basically just trying to, you know, get rid of her and how why she's upset. And, you know, Cole is able to, you know, calm her down, make her feel better, and thanks her for everything that he has because at the end of the day, if she didn't choose him in episode two to join the Kingsguard, he wouldn't have all the things he's got. He said that it's the highest ranking that any Cole's ever had. So he, you can tell that he is definitely very much tied to her. Even though he's a member of the Kingsguard, it seems like his loyalty is definitely with her. Like a little jar. Yeah. Like a little jar yeah. comparison. Him and uh, Daenerys, you know, she's kind of got... Renair's kind of got her right hand man now, you know. Yeah, no, I actually I don't mind that at all. I kind of like that. I definitely kind of like that. A little bit younger, definitely a lot better looking. That's for damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I liked that scene a lot. I, I'm interested to see more of the two of them. I don't know. I don't think that's gonna. Even though there is, there seems to be this romantic thing there. I don't know if it's gonna get that way. He seems like a man of his morals, and that's King's God. You know what I mean? No, there's none of that allowed. 
So I'm interested to see what's going to happen between the two of them. She's got a couple different interesting relationships. Allison and her in the first episode kind of yep. seemed a little flirty. Her and Damon seem a little flirty. Her yep. and this guy, Christian Cole, seem a little flirty. So Definitely. I'm interested to see uh, what she ends up, you know. Who she ends up kind of picking. Yeah, exactly. Where she ends up falling. Right, right. And now we have all this talk of marriage. And the king said he's getting all these proposals from all over the land. You know what I mean? Every which way and that. Everyone's trying to marry this girl. Which, obviously, she's the heir to be. You know what I mean? Who wouldn't want to marry her? Um, so, like I said, you know, uh, Cole's able to calm her down. Set that all set that straight. And then we go uh, back to the feast. And the king is... Very drunk, which he also looked just a little delirious. I don't know if that was just from the booze or maybe his infection was actually starting to maybe play a little bit of a Seems role. Seems sick. Seems sick. Yeah. That's Seems like the he's sick. That I sort of it's like too. out of it almost. You yeah. Know? Like, like he's kind of like doing like the fucking head bob. Not looking yeah, so Yeah, he just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's with it right now. You know, he's he's got looking like me on a Sunday when I start drinking at noon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sipping those uh sipping the sangria there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sangria. Nectar of the gods. Exactly. Um but yeah, like I said, he's you know, he's not looking not looking too good. But uh Jason Lanister comes back, he makes his second appearance. He brings the king a gift, this magnificent hunting spear, which is a nice gesture, but then he follows it up by putting his foot right in his mouth. Basically says that he would love to marry the princess Reynard. It'd be a dream of his. Uh, and she could take up her new seat on Castle Rock. And the king's ears perk up. He's like, why the fuck would she go to Castle Rock? And he's like, well, I assumed because she wouldn't be the heir anymore, which would not make her, you know, the heir to the throne, the queen of Dragonstone. Because whoever the heir is, is the prince or princess of Dragonstone. Those things are correlated. Okay. Um, so... You know, he assumes that basically he's what he's saying is, I assume that you're going to be making Aegon your new heir and taking it from Rhaenyra, which infuriates the king right away. Just like you happy to see that. Yeah, me happy too. to see that a little. You I know? agree, definitely, because no one. It's like it seems like every chance that someone has to basically like stand up for her or show her any respect, they all pass on. Yeah. So it's good to finally see. I agree, a sign of the king standing up for her or anybody standing up for her, really. Um, but basically, he you know he says. All you lords, I, I didn't just name her the heir just to make her heir. She is the fucking heir. So you guys would do well to remember that and do well to fucking respect that. Right. And basically, you know, wipes, you know, get out of here. Get, get out of my face. You pissed me off kind of a thing. And then um, Otto comes up to him and he asks him what he thinks of Jason Lannis' proposal. He basically says that Jason Lannis sucks. And then Otto says that he has a proposition for you. How about we betroth her to somebody else? And as soon as he said this, I don't know about you guys, I swore to God, I thought he was going to say himself. <laughs> I was like, you are not going to suggest yourself, you uh, son of a bitch. I would have hated that. Oh, I dude, I thought for that. sure he was going to do it. I mean, between, like, you know how they already mentioned a few times now that he lost his wife? Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, you're trying to fucking yeah. weasel your way in, dude. Nah, I know what I, you're doing. I know what you're doing. I mean, that would have been a power play, though. For him to just be like, I'll, I'll take, that's like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, off, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> off to marry the air, yeah, basically. It's just my, um, yeah, just like, he just took a shot right there, you know? Yeah. But it turns out I was wrong. It turns out I was wrong. He has an even crazier idea, actually. If you thought that uh, betrothing King Viserys to a 12-year-old last week was a little crazy, Otto suggests that we betroth Princess Rhaenyra to her two-year-old half-brother, Aegon. 
Wild. Yeah, it's wild. You got to remember when you throw Thrones on, you know, you got to be like, all right, we're we're in a different world now. You ain't kidding. Yeah, you got to I got to remind myself sometimes. You like, ain't kidding. That's Which, crazy. Obviously, you know, being betrothed, that shit happened all the time back in the day. It doesn't necessarily mean it's not like we're actually marrying a 2-year-old right now, but we're just setting it up for down the road, but still a crazy concept nonetheless. Yeah, your 2-year-old brother. A two, yes, 2-year-old Yeah, 2-year-old half, half brother, exactly. Yeah. It's not like a I mean, I don't even know. Just, That's the Targaryens for you. It was weird though, like the way that Otto presented it. He like he he said like this would put an end basically to like those messages and stuff that the king's been getting for everyone's for her hand and stuff like that. But it's kind of like I don't know, like you're right, but why do you like kind of care about that? If you know what I mean, sort of. Yeah, I was kind of like I don't know. I was he's like, always are he's you looking out for Rhaenyra's interest right now. Like this is a new thing for you. But I'm like again, I'm thinking of everything with him through a magnoscope. So I'm like yeah. yeah, yeah this, there's something I'm missing. I know you're up to something, you bastard. Yeah, I'm trying to think how that would even like benefit him, I guess, if Raynar and Aegon were married, other than... Uh, yeah, obviously, it would definitely... Strengthen his bloodline. Right, so is... if they're betrothed, that means that you know Aegon is in line to be king now, because they're basically both... They're like co-heirs, basically. Right. I mean, if you betroth them. So now his grandson is now in line to be the king. His daughter would be mother of the king. So, I mean, I guess there is that aspect to it. It, it does... Sown his, sown his seeds it, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it does. It gets him what he wants of his, his grandson being king without causing any actual rift or dysfunction in the family. You know what I'm saying? Raynard, quote-unquote, can not be happy, but you know what I'm saying? She wanted to be bothered with all these people coming up to her that she wants something to do with. Right. The king's happy because he doesn't have to deal with all those messages and shit like that. It does, in a way, solve some of the problems. Might be the best idea he's had so far. It's probably the least scumbaggy idea he's yeah. had so far. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at least marrying the two-year-old half-brother is the least scumbaggy thing. That's where you know where he's no at. No shit, right? If that doesn't say what this guy oh, is, then I don't man. know what does. Um, then we have, from there, the next guy that comes up is the only guy that seems like he's actually an honorable man in all of, maybe, all of Westeros in Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon. Uh, I finally learned his name this week, Lord Strong, the Master of Laws, and he's also the Lord of Harrenhal, I learned as well. But he comes and he offers the king some advice. And the king is clearly drunk, snaps at him for no reason. He's like, let me guess, you're going to fucking suggest your son? And he's like, no, actually. But thank you, but no. Uh, actually, I think that I should suggest exactly what I suggested to you last week, which was three years ago. Uh, but I suggest that we join houses with House Valarian. Um I suggest that you uh, betroth her to, what is it, Prince uh, Laeron? Lanor? Lanor. 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 There you go. Yeah. These fucking names, man. Oh, it's tough. Names. Between that and Rings of Power. Oh, my Lord. Uh, we were, I suggest you, you know, patrol the two Prince Lanor of House Valarian. You know, obviously, there's a problem on the Stepstones, but for everything that I said to you three years ago for why you should marry the princess is exactly for why you should do this patrol. Old blood, wicked powerful, wicked rich, control the oceans. It makes so much sense to join these houses and really strengthen that relationship. And it seems like the king finally actually appreciates some good, honest, truthful advice because at that point he gets up and he kind of leaves. He's like, all right, I've heard enough of this shit. Gives the guy a tap on the shoulder, though, which I thought kind of was a nice little thank you. You know what I mean? It's nice to have somebody here who's actually doing their job 
honorably in the way that they should not get their own fucking little shenanigans. Yeah, it seems like he's the only guy who doesn't have, uh, you know, looking yeah. out for his own interest. You know what yeah. I mean? Every so, time that they've asked him, he's been straight up about everything this whole time. He's not the Lord of Whispers, right? He's uh, the uh, Master of Laws. Okay. Master of Laws and Lord of Harrenhal. So there's no, like, there's no Viserys kind of guy right now. Not the Varys. King. Yeah, Varys. Uh, yeah, Sorry, no, Varys. I don't think so. I, me and Luke talked about that. I actually didn't think, I thought that Lord Varys, like, made almost, that see was made up for him. That's what it seemed like in Game of Thrones. Like King Robert basically made the position and gave it to him because of the part that he played in the win, the war. You know okay. I mean? That's how I took it. I could be wrong. I think Luke said that there have been other ones in the past. Maybe it's just like a position that they don't fill all the time. Who right. Knows? But I know that that's his, his job. I looked it up was the master of laws because I, I kept, I didn't know his name last week. I felt bad. Um, but from there we go to a cool scene. We go to back to Princess Rhaenyra and Christian Cole. Uh, they camped out overnight. Christian Cole, you know, kind of tries to persuade her to go back to camp. Right now, I was not having any of it. Um, and they hear some rumbling in the, you know, the trees or whatever. And all of a sudden, this big-ass fucking boar comes gallivanting out of nowhere. Almost runs over Cole. Goes right at Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra's able to kind of fight him off. Christian Cole gives him a little stab. Thing won't go down. And then all of a sudden, Rhaenyra just fucking goes to town. And yeah, she goes hard. Up, like she 15 hard times. That. Blood all over. She yeah. was hot as right. Letting go of some pent up uh, anger, I think for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think you're definitely right. You know. Yeah, she was hoping it was the queen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that pregnant belly. Yeah. But yeah, no, I definitely think there was some of that, some letting out some anger there. But yep. I thought that was pretty cool. Like I said, she's all just covered in blood, but she just massacres this big, big, big ass four. Yeah. Which they're on a hunt. You know what I mean? So that's going to be a nice little a nice little prize for her to bring back to, to go King Dad there against yeah, the respect finally. Exactly. Hey, boy, delicious. Show him how it's done. Yeah. Uh, from there, real quick, I, there wasn't the next scene I didn't have much to take away from. It, it, King uh, King Viserys and Allison are standing by that the big fire. And basically, the only thing to take away is that King Viserys is just questioning himself. He's questioning his decision. He's questioning if he should have made Princess Rhaenyra the heir. He had these dreams apparently back in the day that he was going to give birth to a uh, son and now sure enough that son is here and he's questioning if he made the right call and if Aegon should actually be the heir which again like, like just lack of respect for Princess Rhaenyra yeah I think that that scene the only thing I really got out of it was like you said him second guessing himself and almost like considering maybe I should make Aegon yeah. the, the, the heir yeah. you know I'm so sick of this guy in his fucking dreams, man. I know that, like, the dreams have helped up the Targaryens a couple times before, but this guy just seems like he's so, like, he wants it so bad, you know what I mean? He's like, I'm a Targaryen. I, I can dream things. It's like, dude, it doesn't seem to be working for you because everything you dream is not working. I think that you're just fucking, you're chasing a lost cause. Yeah, he's forcing things. For he sure. is, yeah. That's a great way to put it. He absolutely is. Absolutely is. Um, so then it turns out we go to the next day. We have. Trapped a deer, King Viserys is called into the woods. His team has, you know, caught something. It's time for him to fucking finish it off. Now, the Colas is even a hunt. is ridiculous. But he basically, he gets there, and they have this <laughs> massive deer. It's not the white the white heart deer. It's just a normal deer. But it's very big. And they have, like, four guys who all have this thing tied down. Yeah. Just waiting for the king to show up to stab it. Like, dude, you ain't hunting shit. No. That's booty. That that's, ain't hunting. It's not Baratheon right there. No, Baratheon's no way. In the he would trenches never. right yeah. there. That's why King Robert told everyone to get out of the yeah, way. Uh, Friggin' Sir Barristan Selmy says it. He's like, dude, he commanded us all to step aside. Like, he, he wanted to take it down himself. Uh, what are we supposed to do? The king's command. That's it. Yeah, no. Um, but, like I said, it's a normal, it's not the white heart. It's a regular deer. And when King Viserys sees it, I actually definitely took it. Like, he seemed like he was relieved, actually. 
It seemed like from like we just said in the last scene, he's questioning if he made the right call. It seems like him not getting the white heart was him almost feeling better about his decision. Like if it was supposed to be Aegon, it would have been the white heart. heart. That makes sense. The fact that it isn't, he almost feels like this second of relief. I feel like it looks like that at least to me. I no, I agree. Kind of like almost like took a breath. Like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, I, I think I did make the right call. You know what I mean? He also takes two, like, jabs at it, which I thought just kind of showed his, like, weakness again. Maybe not. I literally have it marked here. Just fuck this scene because, like, we talked about how Kalos nearly fainted during episode one. While I didn't enjoy watching that or the maggots in episode two, this scene was way worse for me watching. I don't like watching people hurt animals. Yeah, no, it's tough. The it's like crying out. Weird. Yeah, bad, exactly. Dude. It just seemed like uh, I feel like it was a good little like metaphor, whatever it's called, metaphor simile of him like like he just can't get the job done. Yeah. Like no matter what he's doing, it takes him two two jabs at the thing to take it down. And like I said, he just looks weak. Like yep. he doesn't he doesn't look strong right now. I agree, especially when you have all these guys holding this thing down for you. You got the other guy. It's who's a free shot. Like, Yo, stab it right yeah, here, dude. Free shot. And even then, he yeah. still can't get the job done. This whole thing, thing screaming in agony, dude. It's fucking ridiculous. But from there, we go right to the White Heart. We go to Christian Cole and Reynara. They're on the edge of this beautiful little cliff looking at the entire like Kingswood. And the White Heart literally just comes walking right over to them. Which, again, has got to be a sign that she is the right one. She is the right choice. Yeah. The White Heart chose her. Definitely. Sign of royalty. It's definitely what they She's not even out looking for him. You know what I mean? He comes, he finds her. You know what I'm saying? And she lets it go. Yeah, Cole pulls a sword. Like, not even really, just kind of, like, gets ready. Because, obviously, that thing's fucking huge. If that thing's a massive mantelist, if it wanted to yeah, come at them... Like, they're done. Yeah, it could have caused a problem. 100%. So, Cole just seemed like he was... It, looked, it didn't look he, like he was going to go attack it. You know what right. I mean? He was like, kinda, he was just ready defensive. to defend. Right. Exactly. But she says, you know, she says no. Uh, you know, it's all good. And sure enough, the the white heart just, you know, kind of walks off. But I thought that was pretty cool. I, thought, I, liked the, I liked the storytelling that they did kind of with that. Like I said, the brown deer being kind of like that relief. Then Reynara seeing it kind of shows that it's almost she like confirmation is. for her too a little yes. bit. She sees it and she's like, "No, just let it go. Like I'm good." You yes. know? and that's when she finally goes back. Yep, because she seems a bit, she's almost questioning a little not herself, but she's questioning if if they're like if she actually can do it almost. Yeah, like she she asks like you know uh, Cole she asks, "Do you think that the well will ever accept me?" And he says, "They're gonna have to learn to basically," which I think is a great answer. But it seems like she's already almost like everyone is giving her no respect for like three or four years now. Doubting herself a little bit. A little bit of doubt is probably starting to creep into that brain. Doubting whether or not that that claim should be really hers. So, yep. So I thought that was really cool. Like I said, Um, we go to Otto being a scumbag. Uh, Otto, (laughs) Otto is talking to his daughter, Allison, the queen. And he is basically telling her that King Viserys is never going to realize that he has to make Aegon the heir. That Westeros is going to collapse if Rhaenyra was ever to be made queen. Allison again kind of defends her. She's like, Rhaenyra would be a good queen. He's like, doesn't even matter. She could be the second coming of Jaehaerys. It won't matter. If a queen's on the Iron Throne, it's going to lead to chaos. You have to convince the king to make your son the heir because he's never going to realize it on his own. Which, again, him just being a sketchy fucking sleazeball because he was basically given this task at the beginning of the episode by the head of Old Town. The head of Old Town literally, like, basically says, like, hey, you need to convince the king to fucking make Aegon the heir. And now he's just passing that his dirty work off, you know what I mean, to his fucking daughter. Scumbag. And sure enough, where do we go right from there? We go to the king's bedchambers. And sure enough, Allison is... Actually, this is the first time we see 
the king, he's sitting in his chambers. Allison walks in, and the king's missing his two digits. Missing his pinky and his ring finger. Two fingers done. Gonzo. Oh, that thing again. Yeah, that's what happened to us. Oh, there you go. Some quick technical difficulties, but nothing that we can't handle. It's always right as we're getting close to wrapping up, too, isn't it? It's funny. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's no big deal. We're still working here. We're, we're figuring it out. I have no idea why it does that, though, randomly at that point, because it's got plenty of juice. Um, But where was I? Oh, yeah, the missing digis. Yeah, two fingers missing two fingers. Down, which was the first kind of... Little uh, sign of what we saw, like what this infection is actually doing to him. Yeah. We haven't seen his back, obviously, in a grip. I'm really surprised the maggots didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really good too. <laughs> High class medicine right there yeah. with those maggots. <laughs> but um, Allison, you know, kind of breaks in the spiel right away, like her dad just said. Uh, brings up Reynara, Aegon, who the heir should be, and then the king basically. You know, says that he, you know, he's just trying to help Reynara, and the queen says that she will marry. She thinks in her own time. She just needs it to be her decision, which seems, I would say, pretty accurate. That seems like who Reynara is. It seems like she, if she can make the choice herself, if she finally is able to have some responsibility and something to do for herself, her own choice, her own power, that she'd be more into that rather than being assigned off to whoever, some douchebag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Viserys seems like he respects that too. Kind of says, yeah, you know, yep. that, that works for me. Yep. He does say that he wants his daughter to be happy at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing that he ever does ever in the show so far has seemed like he's not like a, in, in like honestly in some way kind of like a good dad. Like it seems like he does want like what's best for right seems now. Seems like a good guy overall. He just isn't very. Really too good of a guy. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, I, you good, might be right. Good guys don't necessarily make good kings. No, you know that's what facts. I mean? Good guy, not a good king. That's for sure. There's gotta, you got to have both hands to you. You got to have that stern fish. You got to have that nice hand. You got to be able to do it both. That's it. Uh, but the king shows her a letter from the Sea Snake's brother, and it basically is a call for aid. Prince Daemon and the Sea Snake are getting their asses kicked. They are running out of soldiers. They're running out of food. They're losing this battle, and they need aid. And Allison is finally the guy. Now, we've seen uh, like 15 people bring up the Stepstones problem to the king, and he has brushed all of them off. And Allison's the first one who's finally able to make him see reason, which I thought was actually pretty surprising. Um... He finally, on after Allison talks to him, is this convinced that even though these two guys did this against his back, basically, he's going to help them out. So, I thought that was, like I said, I thought that was interesting just because all these people, you know, we saw the sea snake talk to him, he brushed them off. The Lannister kid talked to him at the beginning of this episode, he brushed him off. But Allison, you know what I mean? Even though she's a young, like young, young girl, she's only, you know, like 20 or something like that. She doesn't have any experience in being queen or anything. 
Seems like they actually have a pretty decent relationship, I guess. Seems like he actually takes what she says, you know what I mean? Definitely, definitely, obviously, is attracted to her because that's who he ends up choosing yeah. Yeah, uh, no, to marry and, and have a kid with. And I also think she just puts it the simplest way. I think when the sea snake comes to him, he's sort of looking out for himself, saying, like, my stuff's getting destroyed. And then the Lannister comes out, and I think he's sort of saying, like, oh, you know... I'm not really too sure if he's got any personal interest in the uh, the stepping stones. Right. Um, but I just think that she just puts it simply. Like, is it good or not for exactly. this for the realm to have this issue? And he simple answer, no. You might feel good that these two guys that went against you got squashed. But <clears> then <throat> what happens then? The craft feed is just going to keep... You think he's going to stop at the stepstones? Right. It's just going to keep progressing. He's just going to keep working. It's just a problem that's just going to continue to get worse. You should deal with it now rather than later. 100%. You know what I mean? But like I said, I thought it was... Allison had a good. Well, last week I was all I was all against Allison. I was calling her out for being a snaky bitch. I thought she had a good episode this weekend. Yeah, she I was good. She, aside from the power dynamic thing and the and the weirwood, when she was kind of being a little bit of a bitch. Aside from that scene, I thought she was she had a good episode. Um, we go to our second to last scene, which is a pretty quick one. We're at the high council chamber. It's just the king and Princess Rhaenyra, but. He says to her that he is, in fact, sending aid to the Stepstones, which she seems like she's, like, pleased with, kind of. Like, all right, finally, you're making a good decision. Um, and she brings up the fact that she feels like she's being, you know, sold off, just basically sent off, that she's going to be replaced, that he's just trying to get the highest bid for her now. And he says that that is not the case. He swears on um, the memory of her mother that she is not going to be re- replaced as the heir. He says at one point he did waver. But he is past that now, that she is the heir. And he also says that you can choose who you want to marry. Go out, find who makes you happy, and make whoever you want your husband. Do you believe him? Because it seemed like he, when she like turns around and walks out, he's got like he's a little stressed out. So I'm wondering, that scene of him at the fire made me think that he's seriously considering Aegon. And then he yeah. says that to her, and as she's walking out, he just kind of looks like, I don't know if he's still like still on the convi- fence. Yeah, yeah. She might not be convinced herself, to be honest. She might not be believing everything. Yeah, I mean. I think swearing on the memory of her mother probably means a little something to her, I would hope. That's that's kind of why I I don't know thinking. if I believe. I mean, I, I think I do believe him. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I guess it probably would... It would depend a little bit, I guess, on who she decides to marry. If, uh, what I if she decides right. to marry fucking Prince Dan, Prince Damon? No, he might not be so cool. Yeah, he might not be so cool. That's that's agreed. That's fair. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So who knows? Um, But she also brings up the fact, you know, basically she calls him out. She's like, if you if you married for honor and not for uh, for joy, you would you would have married the fucking Valerian, right? And he's just like. Touche. Yeah. Good call. You're yeah. right. Calls that's actually like right. right that's out. Like, yeah. That's like right Calls before he says right yeah. out. Yeah. Which was a good. That was a good move. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, we go to our last scene, which, like we said, awesome, awesome book ending in this in this episode. I thought the the intro was sick, and the ending was almost. It was probably better actually. The ending was probably better. Um, we go to the Stepstones. And we have a little bit of a meeting going on. Basically, the sea snake is talking to his son, uh, Lenor, and uh, his his brother's also there, the guy that wrote the letter to the king. And basically, they're just going over how bad things are. They're like, we got like almost no men. We got like no food. We're going to have to be out of here in two weeks unless something drastically fucking changes. And um, the sea snake's, uh, sea snake's uncle calls out Prince Daemon, basically saying that, you know, he's being too aggressive. He, you know, he's losing this war for us. The son, Prince Lenor, defends him, which I found interesting. Now both of them, Prince Lenor and Lord Corlys, father and son, have both defended Prince Daemon. 
So it seems to me like they're going to be pretty tight, I think. Seems like it. And he's got a dragon, too, he right? Does. Yeah, yeah so. find that out in just a second, actually. But um, Prince Damon arrives to the little meeting. You know what I mean? He strolls in. As soon as he gets there, a messenger comes up, and he gets word that the king is sending, I think it's 10 ships and 2,000 men to help him secure the Stepstone so that they can win this war. Trying to be a good brother, trying to help out the cause. And Prince Damon is fucking furious. Yeah, pissed him He's right like, off. this son of a fucking bitch. I didn't ask for help. Why are you sending shit? This yeah. is my war to win or lose on my own. Lights a fire under his ass for sure. Sure does. He beats the messenger's ass to a fucking pulp. And then we see him rowing into the fucking mouth of the dragon himself. <laughs> right onto the shores of the crab snake. I mean, the crab feeder. Uh, right by himself, rolls right on in, waves a white flag, throwing up a truce flag, which right away I was like, I don't buy this for a second. And sure enough, the crab feeder sends out a few guys. He hands him his sword, and sure enough, it was all a ploy. He fucks him up real good. Stabs the first one with a dagger, gets his sword back, and then starts one of the most badass action scenes I think I've ever seen in Game of Thrones. That run, I think, is so sick. Him just freaking cutting, dicing, Run, yeah, arrows cutting people flying down. all in. More guys are coming. He cuts through them. More arrows are flying. A lot of luck on this guy's part right here because he dodges about 2 billion arrows. Yeah, that was a little crazy. But, you know, they say, you know, it's part of the battle back then. You got to get lucky, you know what I mean, to survive. It's a lot of luck back then, man. A lot <laughs> that's of luck. A, that's a fact. That's but 100%. Hey, he zigzagged. He yeah, zigzagged yeah. when the... Uh, Rickon, yeah, yeah Rickon. Yeah, Rick straight line, those serpentine patterns, yeah. man. Serpentine he didn't learn, patterns. clearly. Uh, but he ends up, you know, just carving through a whole bunch of these guys, basically right up to the crab feeder's front door. He cuts through a bunch of his dudes. When he finally gets caught and gets hit by like three arrows at one time. Yep. Takes cover behind this little, looks like a turned over ship, something like that. Gets completely surrounded on all sides. Things look real, real bad for our boy. I mean, charging in by yourself is not a great move, but then it turns out he wasn't by himself. The fucking cavalry comes in. Prince Lainor, like what do said, on his dragon, comes in, fucking starts lining up the triarchy. Beautiful little fucking sleight of hand. Drag them all out, and then we hit them. The cavalry comes charging in. Sea Snake and all their guys. We have a sick little battle scene that I thought was really fucking cool. Looked dope. Sea Snake can fucking fight, even though he's an older guy. That dude's yeah. got a big ass like mace. Spear, yeah. Thing. He's got some fucking crazy. Yeah. Got, the, got the helmet on. Reminded me of uh, Blackwater a little bit, like that kind of battle. Yeah. Like not nothing like too too long or crazy or anything, but something quick. You know, good yeah. boys in there. A little little tactical. Good. Yeah, I, like oh, it. It quick, I enjoyed it. It was quick, but after the like the Prince Damon thing, when you put them together like that, it like you know filled like ten minutes, and it was oh, it was a sure. good scene. Um, but Prince Damon fucking sees like, hey, my boys are here. This is a fucking as good an opening as I'm going to get. Even though he just took three arrows, goes charging into the fucking cave. And the only disappointing part, obviously, I would say about this episode is that we don't get to see what happens next. That was my But apparently Damon and the crab feet have a little duel because he comes out of that cave just dragging the top half. Yeah. Of the crab feet is yeah, so cut him in half. Just caught him right in half at the fucking chest. Sliced him and diced him. Yeah, yeah the midsection. <laughs> and uh, just looks, I mean, gnarly, covered in blood. Yeah. Which, just like the last time we saw Reynara, I don't know, coincidence? Maybe not, but you know what I mean? The last time we saw Reynara, covered in blood from the boar kill. Now he's covered in blood from fucking <laughs> the crab feeder kill. Destined for each other, those That's two. what I'm saying. Destined for each other. But 
No, I, I think I agree. I think my only complaint was that we didn't see a little, you know, Crabfeeda feels like he's been building a little momentum last few episodes, and we really only see him, you know, for a couple minutes, and then Damon comes dragging him out, which I'm happy that that's how they did it. As brutal as it is, he's cut in half, but it's like, it we, I, yeah, we, we didn't get to see the actual fight between Carry the two. Hands. Yeah, so like, and it's different than beheading someone. Like, he, yeah. he took like a chunk out of this guy, and it's like, <laughs> you know, so trying to make a statement. Yeah, he definitely got blood. Like I said, too, with all that blood, you know that he fucking probably slashed him yeah. a few times, all pouring all exactly. over and shit. But an awesome, awesome, awesome scene to close out. I think it really fucking pushed things into the into the next direction too. Now because, like I, we just said, he wanted to do that. Whether it was win or lose, he wanted to do it on his own. He didn't want any help from his fucking brother. And sure enough, he ended up getting the job done. No, I and agree. now I think he's going to be a little bit more cockier than he already is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think he's got reason to be, too. Like you said, the, sneeze, the sea snake supported him. The the sun, Lenor, supported yep. him. So I, I think he's he's starting to pick up a little uh, little, little mo. Yeah, know? definitely. And like we keep saying, you know, we keep trying to get the king to marry into this family somehow. If Damon can find a way to really strike up an alliance with the Valyrians, that's what I mean. But at the same time, they just fought a fucking battle with each other against these crab feeders, and they were really struggling to the point where they almost lost. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn. You know I, I feel mean? like part of that was that they were fighting on the crab feeders tariff a little bit. Yeah. You know, like the dragons were, like you said, they just they retreat back into the caves. So it's not really where the dragons are used best. So I, I, right, I think yeah. that had a little more to do with where they were fighting than you know what what actually their strength could be. I also don't know, like, beside that, like, so we know that Damon's in charge of the gold cloaks was, like, 2,000 strong, but, like, is that it? Like, is that his entire, like, army? You know what I mean? It, I, I mean, they haven't mentioned anything other than the right. gold cloaks, so exactly. I, I would assume that's what he's been rolling around Which, with. Which, like, that's not, like, that many guys, you know nah, what I, I don't, mean? I don't think so. It's I not mean, like it's, like, this huge, huge military fucking formation that he's got out there. But it is intriguing to see them getting a lot closer together. I want to see where they go from here now that they're just taking care of this problem, the Stepstones. Does he just go back to Dragon? Actually, yeah. I wonder what it, I wonder what happened to Dragonstone. He, he was holding that down, but now it's just been vacated probably for like three years. Yeah, him imagine. and his girl. I don't know what's yeah, we going on. We know Raynar's not there. And then what's his other, the other girl? The brothel girl? Uh, yeah. I don't know her name, but she could Mere, be that. Masira or something? Yeah, yeah, it's possible. I'm sure we'll probably see something along that next week about where he's gone now. But I'm curious to see if he's going to go to King's Landing. If he's going to go fucking say, like, hey, King, did you see what I, I just took care of this problem for you, bro? Yeah. What's you know going I mean? on? But that pretty much wrapped up the episode. Like we said, awesome episode. I loved it. I really, really, really enjoyed it. The two fucking the battle scenes to bookend the episode were great. I loved everything I said in the beginning. I thought it was all, like, the middle was just perfect Thrones. The whole episode was perfect, I thought. Just got everything that Thrones is. Um, but I guess that pretty much wraps it up for Game of Thrones, right? For House of the Dragon. Another great episode. Great episode. Ready for episode four. Episode four. Tune in Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday night, which is going to fucking suck because it's the same time as the Tom Brady game, which is going to cause some real problems in my life. <laughs> but, the Brady uh, game. Not the Bucks, the Brady game. <laughs> yeah, it's because that's what it is. Yeah, it's fair enough. It's, it's fair enough. It's the Tom Brady versus the Dallas Cowboys. And Tampa Bay Brady's. <laughs> yep. Um, but hopefully we are going to be talking to you guys again on uh, Sunday morning. Hopefully we'll be doing our next show. That'll be me and Los here. Hopefully doing our Cobra Kai recap for the first three or four episodes because we got that on Friday night. I'm super, super excited. Let's go. Cannot wait for that. Um, 
Thank you guys for tuning on in again. Great show today. Another massive one. We hit so much shit today. A lot of stuff. From Rings of Power, She-Hulk. We hit it all today. House of the Dragon. Banger of an episode. Um, I just ask that you guys, please, as always, share, share, share. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Rate, review, comment, leave. Tell your friends. Tell your wife. Tell your wife's friends. Tell everybody. Like and share. And Ledoux, thanks for uh, joining us this week. Appreciate you boys yeah. having me on yeah. here. You know, hopefully looking forward to getting Great back time. on here again. Great you first know? episode. I thought you did awesome, man. Thanks Appreciate for coming it. in. Appreciate We're it. We're going to definitely have you on more again in the future. You're going to be helping us out with a few things, hopefully. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Smash that like button. Hit subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. That's These boys right. are working hard over here. Saying easy. Thanks again for you helping out today, bud. We couldn't do the show without you. Glad to be here on the ones and twos, baby. And uh, that's going to be a wrap for us, guys. Take it easy, and we'll talk to you next time.